roads and bridges were closed in some places and the River Great Ooze burst its banks in the centre of Bedford. It also spilled into fields in the Great Denham area of Bedford near a new housing development concerning these local people. These people's houses are being built on a floodplain. Every year it's flooded over there. It's not going to change once you fill things with cement and mortar and bricks and you build roads. They are developing heavily on that, that area, I do believe. So. No, I can't imagine anyone would want to... Uh buy a property over that side of the uh, part of the river. Meanwhile, government plans to prevent new housing developments from adding to problems of flooding are facing more delay because of a row with building firms over whether the schemes should be mandatory and who should pay for them. Legislation introduced after the floods in 2007 says new estates must be landscaped so water from roofs and drives soaks away in open ground. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. Ian Burns, who's 72 and suffers from depression, spent much of the money on alcohol over an 11-year period. Tony Fisher has more. Burns pleaded guilty to falsely claiming a total of over £210,000 in pension credit, housing benefit and council tax benefit. Amersham Crown Court heard he used three different names, including that of a dead person, to illegally claim the money which was paid into his building society account. In sentencing him, the judge said the message has to go out that the public purse cannot be fleeced. More people shopped online in December than ever before, according to figures released today, with nearly one in five purchases made on the internet. The British Retail Consortium said after a late buying rush, overall sales were up 1.8% on 2012, a measure, it says, of an encouraging but fragile recovery. The weather, after a chilly start, it will be a dry day with good spells of sunshine. Winds will be light with temperatures up to 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday. Lots to talk about. Hey, lots of good calls this week, so let's have some more of those, please, if you don't mind. Coming up, in Luton, nine council employees have been sacked for behaviour which could or has harmed a child. They all worked with children and had undergone the proper checks. Has the system failed, or is it a sign it's working? An Aylesbury pensioner has been jailed for an 11-year benefit swindle worth more than £200,000. He suffers with depression and spent most of the money on booze. You got any sympathy? And to be honest, what's the point of putting him in prison? He's 72. By the time he's paid his money back, he'll be 153 years old. He won't. He'll have died by then. And if you're on benefits, is this sort of person giving you a bad name? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. And you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Last year, nine adults employed by Luton Borough Council to work with children were sacked for offensive or behaviour that could or did harm those in their care. According to a new report into the way the borough keeps children safe, at least one of the people involved was found in possession of images of child abuse. Well, our political reporter Paul Scoynes joins me now. Paul, how much more do we know? 
Uh, well, these are not just uh, people employed by Luton Borough Council. This involves anybody who works with children in the Luton area. So okay. it could be people who are scout leaders. It could be, uh, you know, uh, people who are volunteers in various groups as well. So it's a wide range. Basically, anybody who has a professional contact with a child uh, is covered by this particular area. Now, these cases involve physical, sexual, emotional abuse, neglect, uh, and also allegations of abuse or neglect regarding perhaps a professional's own children or uh, against those sort of people who uh, perpetrate violence including domestic abuse so it's pretty wide-ranging these sorts of uh, areas which are covered now the number of referrals which are reported to the local authority because the local authority every single uh, council across beds hearts and bucks uh, will have a or you know certainly within a, a county level maybe in 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 hertfordshire and buckinghamshire will have responsibility for looking after children so it's, it's those sort of safeguarding models mm. they are the organization which people go to if there is a problem now the the number of reports uh, to those authorities has increased in in the sort of early part of 2011-12, uh, that that totaled 172 reports. Now that was an increase of 16% on the previous year. Um, that's a broad definition about what that means. Sexual assault can uh, sort of cover a, a various area of, 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 of terms, grooming, inappropriate behaviour. Feasibly, that could even just be something like shouting. I'm not trying to play it down, but just to give you a bit of context. OK, so it, it's a broad term. It is, indeed. And the workforce, as I say, is anybody who basically works with children. Um, now, those sort of areas include, so of those 172, we've got 19 from faith groups, uh, foster carers, 19 reports. Um, schools 41 residential settings 3 you've got uh, early year settings so nurseries for example 16 these are where the allegations have come from okay. not necessarily those haven't necessarily been proved and they haven't been necessarily convicted okay. but those just the areas but, but nine people uh, who have worked with Jordan and Luton have been sacked for offensive or, or behaviour is that a lot? Well, I mean, it, it, it seems a lot, doesn't it? It, 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 sounds, it sounds bad. And indeed, since nine, 2009, it's, the number's actually 22 people who've left mm. uh, or have been dismissed from the workforce, which is the sort of generic term, um, for, for various offences. The, the, the uh, man who is in charge of the board, who, who wrote the report, who's the independent chair, Professor Michael Preston Shute, uh, said that that uh, number is not in, it's significant, but it's not significantly different to any other area uh, of the country. And indeed, Michael Preston Shute says the numbers are not unusual for an authority the area size of Luton. I would say that, that Luton is in the average range um, um, of cases um, uh, over the last four years. Um, and I think that local authorities and their statutory partners are generally experiencing an increased awareness about the importance of ensuring safety amongst the children's workforce, including volunteers. Now, it's worth noting, actually, Ian, at this point, that one of the cases, we, we weren't able to get any information about any of the specific cases, but what the uh, head of children's services, the court the sort of officer in charge of children's services at Luton said, was that one case did involve a nursery at which the... Uh, uh, the offence was prosecuted to the maximum term. I don't know what the offence was. Right, I don't okay. know what the area was indeed. Can I, why is it so vague? Why have we not been given specifics? Uh, with child protection, everything is very okay. clear. You cannot say anything because you know no child can be identified. So that's the reason why we don't know very much about it. And I'm afraid we're not going to find out much more today when you speak to uh, Professor uh, Preston Shute. Um, 
there has been an increase in cases, as I mentioned. Um, the, the sort of reason for that, perhaps, uh, you know, we've seen horrific cases in, in places like Rochdale and Oxford. Um, the, what, the, what the team at Luton are saying is they don't absolutely want to make sure that Luton doesn't become the next Rochdale or Oxford, um, and, and they've been working with the NSPCC and other agencies more closely. Uh, Professor Preston Shute said to me that those events have led to an increase in reports, and that means that they're more aware of those possible offences. I think there is an increased awareness um, um, from cases which have been much publicised within the media um, that there are individuals out there who will seek to um, um, exploit their position um, to abuse the trust placed in them by children or by vulnerable adults. And we've got to be very vigilant um, and and um, to escalate concerns and to investigate concerns when um, individuals are behaving in a way which we think is unsafe. Well, now, Luton operates a 24-hour, 365-day response, and, um, and what they say is that they hope that every allegation is dealt with within 24 hours uh, and then will go on to be considered and acted on within seven days. Um, a new strategy is being developed at the moment, and we'll go through the council in the next few months. And, and just for an example of some of the things that uh, uh, they've done in the last 12 months which have been of use, they have um, been very, working very closely with taxi drivers because taxi drivers are those people who see children quite a lot in cars mm. they see them you know coming into the town they see where they're going out and if if taxi drivers can almost be trained to spot unusual looking circumstances or difficult taxi drivers yeah because of the way that they sort of well, you know they've, they've got uh, uh, they're sitting in the car they've yeah. got kids in the back necessarily that you can maybe just observe things a little i bit wouldn't trust closely. a taxi driver to take me to a destination let alone <laughs> monitor uh, the, you know the well-being of well, a child. well, that's something. I mean, it's it, it's it's eyes and ears on the yeah, ground. Yeah, I suppose so. It? That's the way they're looking. Paul, at it, so. I, I appreciate this. Thank you very much indeed. Would you mind staying around after I play a song? I just want to pick up something that we were talking about off air. Is that okay? Okay. D- don't look as don't look that way. It's not that what we're talking about. It's something else. I promise you. It's fine. Paul Scoynes will uh, be sticking around. Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Feel it, 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 feel it
So, Elvis. Just remember how he died. That's all I'm saying before you call him the king. Now, Paul, yesterday I was in the awkward situation of forgetting my wallet. Oh, it was annoying. I, thought I wanted to go in and buy into town and buy some handkerchiefs. I wanted to pay a check-in. Lots of things I wanted to do. Two things I wanted to do. Mm. And also on the way home, I had to put petrol in my car. I couldn't do any of these things because I'd forgotten my wallet. Mm. And I was really bugging the, the team members, my f- friends... To lend me twenty pounds, yeah, twenty to pounds. To, you, so I asked Kelly Beck. She said no. Well, that's not true. I, I, said, Kath- I said I'll go cash point. I, I asked Catherine Bull. She said no. no. That's not true. I said I go to the cash point. I asked you. You said you'd transfer it into my bank account. I thought times were tough. The, the only person that helped yesterday was Jay Dizzle. Okay. J Dog helped me, Justin Daly. I wouldn't but then, that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got rid of it. It worked. But then you said to me just before we came on air, you said that you have. You, I could have just gone into a bank. Yeah. 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 I've gone to the bank, a bank in Luton before, and um, having called my my bank yeah. to say, I've not got my card, I've left it at home, yeah. I need cash. Um, and they've rung ahead to the bank and made arrangements, and then I've had to perform some security checks. I won't go into those now. Um, what is uh, your mother's maiden name? No, I'm, I'm teasing. What was the name of your first pet? No. So you went in... All right, calm down. It's, it's all right. What is your pin number? So you went in, and they gave you money. Yeah, eventually. Were you holding a gun at the time? No, it was just uh, you know I've got a trusting face in. I've heard tell of this practice before. Really? Yeah, I have. I don't believe this for a second. I'm not calling you a liar, but you're lying. I'm not. If this has ever I got, happened, I got, I got about. 30 quid. Wowzers. You, you should see what I had to do to get 20 quid out of Justin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 08459 555 If this uh, phenomenon of banks just handing over cash willy-nilly is ever, willy-nilly being an apt phrase, uh, has ever happened to you, then do let us know. Paul Scoins, thank you for your, your stories. All right. uh, same time next week? Yeah. Thanks very much. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We've still got some problems left over from flooding. Both bridges over the River Great Ooze at Felmersham and Harold are closed. Then also between Aston Rowant and Chinner, the Chinner Road is closed. Speed sensors showing no problems on the major routes at the moment. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Right, 6.16. It's uh, Friday the 10th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The past year saw nine people stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. Government plans to prevent new housing developments from adding uh, to problems of flooding are facing more delay. And in sport, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow. Excitement! The weather generally fine with sunny spells and a high of 8 Celsius. BBC Three Counties Radio. Saturday from midday, it's all about the food. It's like a disco on your tongue there. It's fantastic. <laughs> Local chefs showcasing simple, straightforward dishes you can try at home. Well, it's a dish which has been around since the 18th century. I can imagine it hot with ice cream and almost put in an ice cream. That'd be nice. This is a thick, heavy, lovely, cloying comfort food of a dessert. All mixed in with amazing stories and great music. I'll tell you what, that takes me back to my childhood, that pudding. Mm. That just transported me back to being a kid. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen, Saturdays from 12, on BBC Three Counties Radio. So. Yes. Right. In 1969, okay, this guy Rodriguez. In 1969 was when you started telling the story. What? And it's still not interesting. Stop it. 
Paul, have you seen Searching for Sugar Man? Just say yes. Yeah. What was your favourite bit? The middle bit. The The concert. The concert made everyone cry. Anyway, listen, please. Rodriguez recorded... You're like like this, Paul. 1969. This singer, Rodriguez, recorded... Kelly. Sorry, I just fell my head on the microphone. You fell your head on the microphone? Yes. Wow, you okay? I've run out of words because I'm bored of this story. In, ni- <gasps> in 1969, Nine. Rodriguez, Rodriguez recorded two albums. Well, technically one was in 1970, but bear with me. I'm just trying to... Just, oh. okay. Paul, where are you going? He's quit. Where's he going? He's actually quit his job in politics because of this. Yeah. Kelly, I hate to ruin the illusion. He doesn't actually work in politics. He's a reporter. He's actually left. He's gone. Anyway, this is one of his songs. I'm only halfway up the stairs, not up or down. I'm only halfway up the stairs since you let me down. So won't you tell me, tell me, please, what you're gonna do? Cause you know I wouldn't be halfway with you. I don't wanna seem impatient, and please don't think me fast. But we've got something going. Out on stage. Hello, it's Ian. Sorry, I like this song. It's good, isn't it? Who's it, who's it by? Kermit. It's by Rodriguez. Really? And what year? What year was it? Uh, well, this was the 1970 album. He oh, made two albums. That's brilliant, mate. Then what happened with the song? Did it... Oh, I'm so sorry. I've just picked up. You're taking the Mickey out. No, of me. I actually do like that. You're song. taking the Mickey out of me, and I'm fading you down. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you want to give us a call now, to slightly more serious things, a pensioner from Aylesbury has been jailed for illegally claiming, get this, more than two hundred thousand pounds in benefits. Ian Burns is seventy-two and suffers from depression. He spent most of the money on alcohol and tried to take his own life shortly before pleading guilty to fraud. 
Catherine Boyle has more on this. So what did he claim exactly? Well, he pleaded guilty uh, in court to claiming a total of £210,598, and that was across pension credit, housing benefit and council tax benefit, and over a period of about 11 years. Okay. Um, when, he broke it, when you break it down, he claimed £175,815 in pension credit, 27945 in housing benefit, and some £6,836 in council tax payments. Um, but Burns is only paying back the money at a rate of £50 a week um, because they, they calculate it in accordance to what you can possibly get together. Yep. It will take him 81 years to repay this, this money, by which time he'd be 153. I think it's safe to say it's not going to happen. It's unlikely, isn't it? It's very unlikely. How did he do it? So Burns used three different names, including that of a dead person, ah. to claim the money in what was described at Amersham Crown Court as a surprisingly easy and unsophisticated fiddle. So, I mean, it's surprising it went on for 11 years undetected, really. The money, which was claimed between 2002 and 2013, was paid into Burns Building Society account, which, uh, with the authorities under the impression it was being passed on to somebody else. What did the judge say in sentencing him? Judge Griffith said it would be an affront to public justice if he was to allow him his freedom. The message has to go out that the public purse cannot be fleeced. And he added that he was surprised by the lack of sophistication behind the fraud, but um, has been told it would not be so easy for someone to do the same thing now. So don't even think about it. The, the, the thing that confuses me is he's 72 years old. It's, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, fraud, and so that's a, that's a bad thing. It's not, he's not murdered anybody. It's not the most serious of crimes. He's sending a 72-year-old man to jail the right thing to do, well, do you think? This, this is the thing. The, the lawyer, I mean, it is the, in the lawyer's interest to flag up any problems that may be uh, mitigating circumstances. The court heard that Burns was not living a luxury lifestyle as a result of his crimes and that he'd spent much of the money on alcohol. Um, as I said before, he'd been admitted to hospital after cutting his wrist just day before pleading guilty to the crimes in November. And uh, Burns' probation officer, Adrian Rogers, explained that he lives alone in a house owned by his son. He suffers from depression. He's on a range of medication, including for back pain, because he used to be a builder. And Mrs Rogers said that given his condition and age, she believes he'd struggled to cope with being imprisoned. Um, and the defending solicitor, um, Daniel Higgins, said that custody would inevitably be very difficult for someone in his position and one has to wonder what would be the benefit to society of having Burns in custody. I mean, the irony will be that it's society that's having to pay more for the incarceration. Catherine, thank you very much. It's a fascinating... Should we put that out to you, dear listener? Uh, <sighs> 72-year-old man sent to prison for 18 months. He'll serve, what, nine months, eight months, something like that. Seven, eight months. Uh, For benefit fraud. Now, I'm not in any way condoning benefit fraud at all. Of course I'm not. It's a terrible thing and it costs us all money. 72-year-old man sent to prison? Is that the right thing? Is his age irrelevant? In this, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I'm not quite sure where I sit on this. Should he go to prison? He's committed a crime, he's taken a load of money, but 72 years old and he's tried to kill himself just before he got sentenced. Steve's quick off the phones this morning. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Harry. I'm very, very well, thank you. Looking forward to the uh, weekend. My little boy is going to be four years old on Monday, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, this the ice cream. There we go, you see. This, this 72-year-old fella, should he have gone to prison? No, it's just stupid. He's cost the taxpayers a fortune, so they're going to put him in prison to cost the taxpayers even more money. Surely you should have put him in the community to do some work. Th- that might be a more beneficial way around it. And also, he's, he's paying back 50 quid a week, which is... Well, it's oh. a joke, really, isn't it? 
It's, it's not worth it, really. How long has he got to live for? Well, he... he, 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 he worked it out? It, yeah, he'll, he'll be 153. It'll take him 81 Ooh. years to pay it back. Oh, that's, that's all right, then. OK. I believe you want to have a... What? I want to ask you a question. Please do. When did you buy the rights of that film? What, um, Searching for Sugar uh, Man about Rodriguez? Yes. What, what yeah. do you mean? You must have bought the rights to it. Well, what are you talking about? You, you know the whole script off by heart, don't you? Well, yeah, it's a good... Steve, get out of here, for goodness sakes. What? People forgot to have a go at me for. It's one of a serious, sensible debate. 72-year-old man, benefit fraud. Should he have gone to prison? Three Counties Radio. So, 72-year-old pensioner Ian Burns, over £200,000 in benefit fraud over 11 years. He gets sentenced to 18 months in prison. He's paying back 50 quid a week. Really? Should he have gone to prison? Or, or will he serve any purpose, him being incarcerated at the age of 72? Not trying to demean his crime or diminish his crime, but really... Yeah. 
Keen to get your thoughts on this. 08459 455 555. Of course, send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. And while we're at it, what the heck? You can text me as well. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Right, let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with public transport, there are severe delays on London Overground between Euston and Watford Junction because of a faulty train. Back on the roads, both of the bridges over the river are great ooze. Felmersham and Harold are closed after flooding. Same goes for between Aston Rowett and Chinner, where Chinner Road is closed. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Jane Killick. In the past year, nine people have been stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. The cases involve physical, sexual and emotional abuse, downloading indecent images of children and a serious incident which caused harm to a child. Government plans to prevent new housing developments from adding to problems of flooding are facing more delay. It's because of a row with building firms over whether the schemes should be mandatory and who should pay. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. 72-year-old Ian Burns spent much of the money on alcohol. The weather, fine and dry with good sunny spells and a high of 8 Celsius. Under sport and in football, the Watford loan midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow in the championship match against Reading. Merkel has been playing in Italy's Serie A with AC Milan, Genoa and Udinese. In League One, MK Dons are preparing for the visit of Shrewsbury and Stevenage at Oldham. Luton will make wholesale changes for tomorrow's FA Trophy game at Cambridge. Manager John Still will start many of the players who beat Reading 4-1 in a development game on Monday. John Still knows they face a team with former Hatters boss Richard Money at the helm. I know Richard and I've known him for years. And, he, you know, he's always been a, a good manager for me, is that... But I have no comments on other teams. All I know, whether we play Cambridge tomorrow, whether we play Grimsby tomorrow, whether we play Fleetwood tomorrow, whether we play Dagenham tomorrow, I was there tennis. I ain't bothered about You know, I just want to go there and try and win. Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth says they've had a positive week after the disappointment of last weekend. Wickham lost again at home. They've won just once in the last nine games and ahead of the trip to Morecambe tomorrow, Ainsworth says they've been working on and off the pitch. The mental part of the game is huge, you know, and, uh, and sometimes not being on the training pitch helps just as much as being out there. And, you know, um, I'm right with these lads and, uh, and they're right with me and, and together we, uh, we aim to put this right. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Oh, coming up in a couple of minutes, we'll be talking to Justin Dealey about food that you fear. You want to contribute anything? Ridiculous. I don't know why you think that you could help me when you couldn't get by by yourself. And I don't know who would ever want to tell the seam of someone's dream. 
Exciting times, exciting times. Paul Scoyne's political reporter is staying with us for the whole morning, which is which is a privilege. Thank you. Um, and you've That's just not strictly true. Does he have to be in here with me? <laughs> yeah, the way it's set up, <laughs> Catherine's now in the studio with me to go through the papers. Paul Scoyne's and Kelly Betts are, are locked in one studio for forty-eight days to see who comes out um, alive. Now, not in any way implying that either of you are a murder murderer. But now, Paul, you just buzzed through on the intercom with a rather <laughs> interesting fact. Yes. I said it was the 150th anniversary to the day that the uh, London Underground opened. And we took that in, we cogitated, and I threw that back to you saying, I thought that was last year. Yeah. And it, and then I looked and realised that it was actually this day in 1863. So it's 151 years. It's the 151st birthday. It's not an anniversary we tend to celebrate too much, is 151, it? 151, nice round number. <laughs> He <laughs> won't be in there all morning, Kelly, don't oh, worry. Oh, good. <laughs> How rude! Now, we're going to have a quick look through the newspapers this morning. One story that's got me in, and Justin, I know that you saw this as well this morning. Mm, I did. Morning, boss. Morning, Jay Dizzle. Millions are too scared to eat fish. Yes. 
Do you eat fish, Just? I love fish. I can't understand anybody who hates fish. I'll tell you somebody who doesn't like fish. JVS from the Mid-Morning Programme. Always banging on about how he hates fish. Why would you not like fish? It's delicious. I wasn't a massive fan of fish, but Catherine, you, you're saying I love you, fish. You, you put anything in your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried all kinds of fish in my time. Um, I lived in Spain for a while, and sometimes it's best not to ask. Oh, for goodness sakes. What, that just pa- get it at. Paella. Yes, mm. delicious. That is just disgusting. The more gust- tentacles, the better. Oh, that is disgusting. <laughs> I had an argument with a friend I was out with once, and, and he was eating baby octopus. I mm. octopi. He was eating octopi. Uh, and I just I said, it was, that, it's disgusting to eat a baby octopus. Why is it any more disgusting to eat that than any other meat? Because it's, it's got tiny tentacles. It's got, uh, would you eat a baby octopus, Justin? Probably, yeah, with chips. They're usually battery. You can't tell what it is. Mm. Exactly. Uh, Put it down, yeah. But would you eat anything, Just? Uh, no, there's certain things I wouldn't eat. I've got a fear of Brussels sprouts oh, every <laughs> single year. <laughs> Christmas time, I get the same conversation. Yeah. Mum, do not put them on my plate. Yes, but it makes the plate look pretty. It does. No, it doesn't. It makes the plate look disgusting. Get rid of them now. I, I know some things you won't eat. You won't eat bananas. Yes. And you won't eat um, hot dogs in public. Yes, that's true. That is true. I think, because the um, rule is what? He won't eat anything. I just think it looks a bit odd for a man to be eating a banana on a, on a train or something. just don't think it looks You won't eat it. anything long. No, that's true. Now you've been you've been out up and early this morning. <laughs> oh dear, uh, you've been asking people what food they're afraid of. Yes, yeah, so page three of the Express this morning. Uh, the top five most feared foods: number one, oysters; number two, fish with eyes; number three, offal; number four, meat cooked rare; and yeah. number five, anchovies. So yeah. I've been asking people about the foods that they fear. Now this comes complete with a conspiracy theory. Oh. Uh, here's what happened. Daniel, good morning. Having your breakfast this morning. Probably the wrong time to bring this up. But uh, what foods do you hate so much that you fear them? Peas. Well, I've never really liked the taste of them or the texture. And when I was uh, in lower school, they wouldn't let us go until we ate our vegetables. And I couldn't eat the peas because I didn't like them. And then so the dinner lady put, like, took the lid off the salt, said they'd be better with salt, and poured a load of salt on them and said, try them now. And I tried them. And since then, it's just put me off them for life. So still to this day it haunts you. When you see them on somebody's plate, do you, do you automatically get scared? I'm not scared, but it's just cringe at the thought of eating them. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, what 90% of it, right, be careful, because there's, there's a kind of manslaughter thing going on in the, in the country, you know, and the old, the old food industry's out there get you backed by the government, so be careful, because I think undertakers are making a lot of money at the moment. Well, what you got now, you got... You got white bread. You got bags of sugar. What else you got? You're scared of bread. I'm scared of white bread. Yes, yeah, full of chemicals. Right? Don't you know? Charles, what's it for you? The one food that really gets you, gives you the creeps. Runny eggs. What's wrong with runny eggs? They're just wrong. It's just disgusting. They go over your plate. Everything. Oh, it's actually nasty. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're still chuckling at the gentleman who's mm. uh, who's afraid of peas. <laughs> yes, well, do you know what? It's a very good point, though. He's got a story. He's got a story that relates back to his childhood. Now, when I think about my childhood, uh, when I went to school, some of the foods that were forced down me, carrots. You know, that's why, still to this day, I'm not a big fan of carrots. Well, better carrots being forced down you than that. Yes. That's, that's uh, something. Uh, Paul Scoynes is, uh, has got some interesting food facts. Would you like to hear them? Oh, yes. OK, well, Paul, what's your, what's your interesting food fact? Well, actually, Ian, uh, a fear of food is called sibophobia, and it often uh, involves an almost incapacitating... Force. OK, so... Uh, sorry, I thought Paul Scorn had some interesting food facts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Bracing myself for that. Anyone that? pick up on the really weird sound that Kath made when you said octopus? <laughs> no, what did she do? What did she do? Press play. 
that's that's me chomping an octopus (laughs) clearly (laughs) well I never I understand that black pudding is blood Mm. what's white pudding I don't know I think it's um, intestines isn't it put it out there let's see if we can find out what's funny about that Paul, you're on a diet at the moment. You're on the. Well, the, you're no, on the it's, it's not a diet. Either. You're on the new it's, fatty diet. It's a strategy. <laughs> it's a lifestyle choice. You're, <laughs> we're on very good form this morning. You're involved in the uh, the big con that is the five two diet. It's not a con. I'm not paying anybody anything apart from the book. Obviously. Yeah, the book. Oh. Bought a book. Is that where you only eat at five two? Yeah. <laughs> so, Every hour. So I eat five dinners and two puddings. That's the diet. So this is you, you eat for five days. You don't eat for two days. Well, it's not you don't eat, you eat significantly less. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Why don't you just it's, eat significantly less? Because it's... All right, I'm not going to do the thing here. There's a Horizon programme. People should watch it, all right? I'm not saying that other diets are available. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle choice. It's a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> do you ask me how much I've lost since Monday? <laughs> I can't, Catherine, you ask him. <laughs> how much have we lost? Keto. What's that in real money? I have no idea. <laughs> right, That's that, about- dear listener, is just the tip of the iceberg of what we've been subjected to all week. <laughs> the scientific facts behind it. <laughs> the other day when he went on for about 20 minutes and then said, anyway, I'm not going to go on about it. He's <laughs> got a good, solid basis. I was encouraged to... Uh, You've got a good, solid basis. That's why you're on the diet. The, uh, thank you. Um, I was encouraged to do it by the um, head of the Health Education East of England, who's a professor. So, okay. you know, he's got some form there. Well, we wish you the very best of luck. Thanks for that. We're for right behind you. As well, yeah. Good luck. So when's Kath coming back in here and when's Gwen's <laughs> going back upstairs? <laughs> Justin. Hey, Thank you very much for that. It's a pleasure. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Should we look at these? <laughs> oh, Gointy's doing his I'm not angry, I'm disappointed face. Why has he tied his scarf into a bow? <laughs> oh, a little bit of wee-wee's come out. Oh, right, OK. What have you got in the papers, Kath? We've well, got a minute. <laughs> if ever there was a case for not rushing to be the first off the plane, here's it. Yes. Remember the first Romanian to get off the plane? Oh, talk about bringing us back down to earth with a bump, yes. Well, yeah, and he was met by Keith Vaz and taken for Costa. <laughs> <laughs> and then his life all, was taken apart in the papers. All the Romanians were saying, hey, this is great, we get, we get to meet this short, bald man, and he buys us coffee. This is one, let's go to Britain. <laughs> Wonderful. Friends. Well, the first guy off, Victor Spirescu, who was met by MPs and journalists when he arrived here in Luton Airport, New Year's Day, said that then... Um, Papers started dissecting his life and now he says he can't get a job. He's left his work washing cars in Biggles Wade, Bedfordshire, days after coming to the UK, blaming racist newspapers. Uh, racist newspapers? What, in this country? Mm. No. We don't have any of those, do Anyway, we? the moral of the story is let everyone else off first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this going out on air? I think it is. These are on that red light means... OK, thank you, Catherine. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Let's come out to about a quarter to seven. Let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Very quiet out there at the moment on the speed sensors. All the cameras on the M40 also looking quiet. Might be icy out there this morning though. Public transport, London Overground have severe delays between Euston and Watford Junction because of a faulty train. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice? Yes? Have you got a little bit of a cold there? I have got a little bit uh, of a cold, yeah. We can't, you're, you're sounding a little bit nasally. Are you going to be all right? I'm absolutely fine. Can we get can we get you anything? Some Vicks or I've some had honey a lemon and lemon? Sip. It's all good. Okay, you let us know if you and if you if you want to bail out of a travel report, you just let us know. Sure thing. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> we care for the team here at BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, on this show anyway. You should see what JVS does to his team. Oh my goodness. Harsh, harsh. 6.45, it's Friday the 10th of January, I'm Ian Lee These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio The past year saw nine people stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse Government plans to prevent new housing developments from adding to problems of flooding are facing more delay And in sport, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow Fingers crossed for that Let's get the uh, latest weather now Here's Kelly Betts Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Did you forget to dial through again? No, they're not answering. Oh, forget Weather. So I will read it. <clears throat> generally fine. Is, is that all they do? They just read it? Yeah. Generally fine. We fi- pay them for that. Yeah. Generally, anything else? No. Generally fine today with some rain overnight. They make it up first. Okay. All right. After a chilly start, most of the day will be dry and fine, but with good spells of sunshine, the temperatures will slowly rise and winds will be light. However, uh. rain mac time, there could be the odd shower. Is Does that mean it's uh, sort of the, the shower happens every now and then, or is it like a really... <laughs> it showers, but also makes a really weird noise, like... Oh dear. I might not have finished. Yes, you have. <laughs> Top temperature... Eight degrees Celsius, 46 Don't degrees. try muscling on the weather action, Catherine. have got the important bit that everyone's waiting for.
Hey, Kelly. Hey, that was a lovely song. Thanks. Tell me, tell me about that, would you? Yeah, that was um, Sophie Ray um, and her song called Home. I don't know if you've heard of Sophie. You probably haven't, but she's an unsigned artist from oh. Tring. From Tring. Tring. And was that our introducing track of the week? It certainly was. The BBC Introducing Show is a real great opportunity on Three Counties Radio to support unsigned and undiscovered musicians. It's oh. hosted every Saturday night by Gary Floyd. That's brilliant. When, when's it on? What time? Saturday nights uh, in the evening, Gary Floyd. Excellent. And when could I hear Sophie again, do you think? You know... Would she... Scroll down. Would she perhaps... She's on a live session this week with Gary Floyd. Oh, right, on the on introducing. In Saturday evenings. That'd be exciting. Thanks very much. On Inside Out, we ask, who owns the East? We reveal the people with the lion's share of the countryside where you live, and we find out what rights you really have to walk where you please in your town. Plus the plant that can pull down a house. We meet the homeowners left with a bill for thousands. Inside Out East with me, David Whiteley. Monday, 7.30 on BBC One. Now, drive across the three counties this morning and you'll see the recent wet weather has left some of our rural roads and fields looking like obstacles from total wipeout. Well, we've not done nearly as badly as other parts of the country where heavy rainfall has caused real devastation. But it got us wondering whether we're still building on floodplains. Our reporter, Ewan Duncan, spotted some new homes being built near flooded fields on the outskirts of Great Denham. People living in the village can't believe anyone would want to live there. It's a shame that there's so many houses being built over here because all the houses that are going to be built, they will in time be flooded. It's getting worse and worse, and the more they build, the worse it's getting. And if you look over towards the houses where they're building towards Queen's Park, there's a lot of water sitting there too. And my own back garden is very squelchy. I think it would help if they cleared the drains. That would also make matters much, much easier. I actually took my dog for a walk yesterday only down Greenkeepers Road and I passed four drains and they're all full of cement. So if they're full of cement, then the water can't go down. So there's only one place it's going to go and it's going to sit on the road. Over this side of Great Denham, we've not been too affected. I know the the new uh, area which they're building on seems greatly affected by the river and the flooding that side. Hopefully it won't get worse, but who knows with this Great British weather. The water sort of vet park area, they all merge into one sort of great big lake, unfortunately, yeah. No, and they are developing heavily on that, that area, I do believe. So. No, I can't imagine anyone would want to uh, buy a property over that side of the uh, part of the river. Well, listening to that is Liberal Democrat Councillor Anita Gerrard, who chairs Bedford Borough Council's planning committee. Would you want to live there, Anita? Good morning. Um, well, it, it's, it's nice being near the river, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be in it, though, do you? Uh, no, I am live within five minutes walk of the river, I must say. We're very close to the river. We can't see the river from our house. I wish we could, in a way. But, uh, no, I have a great deal of sympathy for people whose homes are flooded. It's, it's a very unpleasant thing. But as recently, I've, I've checked, we've had no reports of flooding in Kempston or Great Denham in the recent um, heavy rains and flooding. Well, we've been told it floods quite regularly, and that, that, that there are certainly, uh, if it's not flooded, as in inches of water, it's certainly very damp underfoot. Is it on a floodplain? Uh, well, as I say, we've had one phone call regarding a minor garden flooding in Clapham, and a report of highway flooding in Kiso. That's all I can say. No homes have been flooded. To my knowledge, no homes around here have been flooded since um, some minor basement flooding in 1998 when it was exceptionally but but if it hasn't flooded with all the rain and floods we've had recently i'm hopeful that it wouldn't flood we never um 
when when we have planning permission um, applications before us, we always consult the environment agency if there's any chance or any likelihood of flooding occurring in the area. And he said, we we have been to, we have spoken to residents who say that there is flooding, not necessarily in the houses, but there is flooding going on, and the, the fact that the, that they're going to build outwards uh, where the fields are wet and damp that doesn't seem like a good idea, does it? Well. At the moment, everywhere is exceptionally wet. And well, yeah, we know that, it's usual. been raining, but there are some places where you raining. shouldn't build houses, and floodplains would be one of them, wouldn't they? Well, as I've said, it's always our policy in the borough to consult the Environment Agency, and if they advise us, to my knowledge, we've never granted planning permission against the Environment Agency. Environment Agency advice. We would not deliberately, wouldn't be any benefit to anybody to cons- consent to building um, houses in an area where we knew it would flood. Um, there are sometimes mitigation measures, for example, raising the le- floor level slightly. But people actually do like build- buying houses near water areas, near river and streams and ponds. They find it attractive. <laughs> Otherwise, developers wouldn't, wouldn't want to build them. And he said, thank you very much indeed. I wouldn't want to live near, near a river these days. I wouldn't want to go near it. 08459 
This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Brickettwood, the North Orbital looking heavy at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout now. Still some problems left over from flooding where both bridges over the River Great Ouse at Felmersham and Harold are closed. On public transport, London Overground has severe delays between Newson and Watford Junction. That's because of an earlier faulty train. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. So a 72-year-old pensioner has been sent to prison for 18 months. His crime, well, he defrauded the system out of £200,000 over 11 years. He's paying back 50 quid a week. It'll take him 82 years to pay that back. Should he have been sent to prison at 72 years of age? We'll talk about it more after the latest news and sport with Jane. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, people prevented from working with children in Luton after allegations of abuse. Delay over plans to prevent housing developments adding to flood problems and the Aylesbury pensioner who fraudulently claimed £200,000 in benefits. BBC Three Counties Radio. 22 people have been stopped from working with children in the Luton area since 2009, with nine in the last year, following allegations and convictions of abuse. The allegations are revealed in a report of the Safeguarding Children Board. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has more. The cases involve physical, sexual and emotional abuse and downloading of indecent images of children and one serious incident which caused harm to a child. One incident at a nursery in Luton was prosecuted to the maximum term, though the report does not say what the offence was. However, the board says the number of offences in Luton is no higher than anywhere else, and there are robust processes in place for reporting allegations of abuse. Government plans to prevent new housing from adding to problems of flooding are facing more delay because of a row with building firms over whether the schemes should be mandatory and who should pay. Legislation introduced in 2010 was supposed to ensure new developments were landscaped to allow excess water to seep into open ground. Meanwhile, flooding problems across the three counties are expected to ease as the weather turns colder over the next few days. Roads and bridges were closed in some places and the River Great Ouse burst its banks in the centre of Bedford. It also spilled into fields in the Great Denham area of Bedford near a new housing development concerning these local people. These people's houses are being built on a floodplain. Every year it's flooded over there. It's not going to change once you fill things with cement and mortar and bricks and you build roads. They are developing heavily on that, that area, I do believe so. No, I can't imagine anyone would want to uh, buy a property over that side of the uh, part of the river. The Vice President of the European Commission is accusing British ministers of stoking fears about immigration. Viviane Redding says the rhetoric is designed to draw attention away from the real problems the UK is facing. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. Ian Burns, who's 72 and suffers from depression, spent much of the money on alcohol over an 11-year period. Tony Fisher has more. 
Burns pleaded guilty to falsely claiming a total of over £210,000 in pension credit, housing benefit and council tax benefit. Amersham Crown Court heard he used three different names, including that of a dead person, to illegally claim the money, which was paid into his building society account. In sentencing him, the judge said the message has to go out that the public purse cannot be fleeced. In football, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow in the championship match against Reading. The weather, after a chilly start, it'll be dry with good spells of sunshine. Winds will be light with temperatures up to 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in Luton, nine council, uh, nine in, uh, people who work in Luton have been sacked for behaviour which ha- could or has harmed a child. They all work with children and have undergone the proper checks, but has the system failed or is it a sign it's working properly? An Aylesbury pensioner has been jailed for an 11-year benefit swindle worth more than £200,000. He's 72 years old. Should he have gone to prison? And are there any foods you're afraid of? Most people, it turns out, are afraid of eating fish. Oh, horrible blooming things. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got some uh, texts on uh, this gentleman, Ian Burns, 72-year-old, who uh, swindled £200,000, over £200,000, over a, a period of 11 years. He's been sent 18 months in prison. Karen from Great Offy says, All the blame isn't on the people getting away with fraud. There's also the people dishing it out, not being accountable for making sure they're entitled to it in the first place. Well, that's an interesting twist on it. The, the, the people who give out the money should be slightly responsible if people are being fraudulent. Really? Uh, and someone says, I don't think prison with, uh, without him... What? I don't even know what that, that means. I'm, I'm going, that doesn't make any sense. Howard's in Amersham. Morning, Howard. Morning. Howard, what can I do for you? Right. Television, mate. How'd you get on with it? Oh, yes. No, thank you for your concern. Um, uh, my LCD TV has got sellotape and wax on it. Sorry, I should say had sellotape and wax on it. <laughs> Uh, because it's all, but, but Mark, Mark Travers, who works here, uh, and I use that term very loosely, um, yeah. he's a technical wizard. He came up to me after the show. He said, "Ian, you are going to need a couple of these." So he talked, and he gave me these little wipes. They're kind of like the wipes you get in Kentucky Fried Chicken, except they don't right. smell of lemon. They smell of toxic yeah, chemicals. Yeah, they've got alcohol in them. Yeah, I know. I sucked them dry afterwards. Anyway, (laughs) I used two of those to wipe off the telly. It's almost as good as new. Yeah, see, if you use vinegar, though, that would have been exactly the same. I know, but my my living room would have smelled to chips, and I'm not allowed to eat in the living room. No, no, no. No, they'll be fine, mate. They'll have been all right. Howard, thank you very much indeed. There there we go. Uh, By the way, we're expecting a call from David... Today. Remember David, who found out, I think it was Monday, who uh, never lis- never listened to this show before. He kind of stumbled on it. He used to listen to Heart. David in Bedford. And he was going to listen all week and let us know today whether he was going to continue listening or go back to Heart. So David in Bedford, 08459 455 555. I look forward to hearing uh, your review of the week so far. Thank you. 
Now, nine people were sacked in Luton last year after being found doing something that could or had harmed children. And they were all working in positions where they would have contact with children on a pretty regular basis. Now, the details are sketchy. The Safeguarding Children Board report doesn't name names. But at least one of these individuals had been downloading child abuse images. The Professor Michael Preston Shute is the board's independent chair and told us all the people involved had been through the proper selection process. Uh, except I haven't got that audio, so we'll skip that bit. Claude Knights is director of the children's charity Kidscape and joins me now. Good morning, Claude. Good morning to you. What's your reaction to this, well, these it, figures? It, well, it's always, you know, distressing when you hear that any any child has been abused or, in fact, put into into a, a, a situation where they're not safe by by people who, you know, are employed really to safeguard them. Of course, it's distressing. How do uh, these people slip through the well, net? What with the CRB thing? checks and well, things? Well, you know, the, the DBS check, as it's called now, it's, ah, it's yes. you know, it's pretty thorough, but we have to remember it's a moment in time you know you and i could be checked today i actually you know i'm checked for my job but you know tomorrow we could you know obviously we wouldn't but you know tomorrow something could occur that is then not 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 sort of known about Mm. it's really it's only known and reported things that are actually found and that's why we really really believe you know that these people this uh, this uh, children's workforce is actually not working in isolation is it you know if you're a teacher or if you're working in a youth club you're working with other people we at kidscape really believe that um you know, people should, you know, people who see things happening should should have a duty of care to report it. There should be mandatory reporting in these regulated uh, sort of employments because uh, it's so much of it is seen and, and not talked about. Really? The, 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 mm. But the people know that they're working with someone who is yes, perhaps slightly suspicious, too, but there, they there, don't report it? There is still too much of that, because you and I will both have uh, read many, many harrowing tales about you know, the, what happens to whistleblowers and the sort of agonies that they go through. You know, we saw that with some of the hospital stories recently, where people have had to move house almost you mm. know, because they've been harassed. So I think we should, that kind of culture needs to change. But what, what, what is encouraging is that I imagine at the back of the story we have children or young people uh, who have actually told and disclosed. And I think that with all the, with all the sort of um, awareness raising that, you know, the Jimmy Savile aftermath has given us, I think that there are certainly more young people and anyone who's abused, you know, probably has a, a feeling that they, to come forward will lead to more belief and action, although there's still, you know, there's still a lot to be done, of course. I, I suppose we should be pleased that the, these people were eventually picked up. Yes, that's what I'm saying, yes. And then, of course, they would only have been picked up if, because of a disclosure and then someone's willingness, you know, to take this forward. So, which, which you know, wasn't obviously happening in, in previous climates. So there is, there is that. But, you know, I think we still, we still need to be much, much more vigilant. The initial checks, yes, they are, they are already one uh, safe, you know, they're one safety net, but we see there are too many holes in the safety net. And, and you know, we, you know I, I take people back to the story of the, in the West Country, where, you know, a nursery worker was abusing children, and, you know, no one can tell me that uh, this, you know, the sort of colleagues around were not aware of something strange. So I think really, it's, it's not about, um, you know, just spying on your colleagues, but it's about being aware and, and thinking what I think all of us need to keep in our, in our minds, so the, ch- the safety of children, you know, the vulnerable children is actually paramount. And it's the same in, you know, in, in sort of care homes, too, for the elderly. We, we, need to, we need to be part of a community that looks out for the vulnerable. Should it be a crime not to report a suspicion? 
Well, this is this is what certainly there are campaigners out there, and I would support them who actually feel that is so. There's a mandatory requirement to report, um, and and then of course because it's mandatory, they can't then be uh, castigated by colleagues and others for for whistleblowing because if they didn't, they would be in trouble. No, I think I think there's a duty of care. What else can we do, Claude? Do we need more regular checks? Do we, what, what other things can we implement to make children safer? Yes, I mean there. Of, of the checks actually are, are good practice. We would 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 ask any uh, employer uh, to to actually redo the check every three years. Um, that I don't maybe that isn't enough. But obviously there are all costs to that. I think one of the biggest things is obviously better training uh, and also um, you know. The, the, I think working with young people, because we're talking about children here, to, to help them uh, to really understand a lot more about what is what is right, you know, in terms of what people are doing to them. Because there are still children who, who will um, feel that what the adult is doing is right. You know, so, so more child protection training for, for children as well to help them to know, uh, what they're, 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 you know which parts of their body, you know, are safe to touch and not and so on. These basic things which can form... Uh, by the side if, if they're not constantly reiterated. That's not to say that you would actually make them feel that every adult is dangerous. Not at all. It's about... That's the balance, isn't it? That's the balance it's of giving balance. them sensible safeguards but also allowing them to be children. Yes, exactly. Not, you know, not polluting their childhood. Let them allow, you know, allow them to be children. Allow them to develop very, very healthy relationships with caring adults around them. But just also helping them to, to really... Um, Take heed of the signals. You know, I've I've worked with children who have been made anxious by an adult, but they've and, and they've had uh, you know they've had this feeling of alert, but they've they've submerged it. Oh, it's an adult. You know, he he, he he I can't do anything here. And they've also then allowed the grooming to start. Uh, but you know, the adult sort of um, in a sense making them feel that nothing nothing that they do is wrong, and if they, if, if telling is involved. Then, then there will be repercussions. Mm. All of this can be talked about in a safe way so that the children know when something is wrong, mm. but they also appreciate that most adults will do, uh, will do positive things with them. And that's the thing. I, 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 you, you do hear this scaremongering, and I don't want to be one of those shows that does that. Most no. adults are, are, are fantastic oh, with kids, yes. and most people who work with children are wonderful. It's I a really very, very those, tiny minority. Absolutely. I welcome those comments, because we wouldn't want people in Luton or anywhere else no. to think there's a hotbed of anything exactly. going on. Exactly. And so I think some people do do, uh, do that. Claude, if people want to find out more about Kidscape, how, how do they do that? I think the best thing would be to go onto our website. There's so much um, material that they can download just at a click of a button. So that's the three W's dot kidscape dot org dot UK. Claude, I appreciate your time this morning. Claude Knights, director of the children's charity Kidscape. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's so easy, isn't it, to do one of those shows. Oh, there are paedophiles everywhere! Oh, no, look out! Paedophiles everywhere! Nonsville! No, it's such a tiny, tiny minority. Such a tiny minority. And you have to believe, don't you, that your kids are are, going to be safe with whoever they're left with. Uh, Otherwise, you'd go insane, wouldn't you? Oh, wait, 459 555555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Um, taking your calls as well about Ian Burns, his 72-year-old pensioner from Aylesbury. He's been jailed for 18 months after cheating the benefits system out of £200,000. Should he have gone to prison? Is prison for a 72-year-old benefit fraud 
fraudster the right place. Now, it's a very significant crime, not demeaning it in the slightest, but what do you think? Really? Is prison the most appropriate place for, for him to be? Is it going to help him? I mean, he's depressed, he's a bit of a boozer, and he tried to kill himself before he was sentenced. So, not necessarily in, in the greatest mental position. What do you think? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Uh, if you want to give us a call, you can email as well, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. It's a quarter past seven. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Uxbridge on the A40 eastbound, there's been a breakdown on the Swakeley's roundabout. Bricketwood, the north orbital looking heavy at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. On public transport, service has been suspended on London Overground between Euston and Watford Junction. That's because of a faulty train. Tickets are being accepted on London Midland, London Underground and London buses. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Right, 7.15, it's Friday the 10th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The past year saw nine people stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. And in sport, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow. The weather today generally fine with sunny spells and a high of 8 degrees Celsius. Coming up, more on that pensioner who's been sent to prison for 18 months. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni. We'll talk about your partner's annoying habits this after a woman filed for divorce after just one week. I, I know I, was, I snore and I snore badly, but I can't help it. Roberto Peroni. It's Friday. Why am I even bothering to go to work today? You've got to. You never know when a doughboard suddenly appears in front of you and you've got to dive in. You need a lot of love, a bit of patience to keep a relationship going. Sometimes you have to turn a blind eye. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number uh, if you want to give us uh, a call. And we're taking your calls about this 72-year-old Aylesbury man. Jail for 18 months. You kind of have to think at 72 years of age, is that really, is prison really the best thing for him? Surely he'd be better off, I don't know, doing something to try and pay the money back. He's paying back 50 quid a week. It's not a lot. It's going to take him 80-odd years to pay it back. So we're never going to see that money again. So to a certain extent, that might as well be written off. But sending him to prison, an older man in prison for... I mean, it's, it's a serious offence, but really? There are worse things he could have done, aren't there? Definitely. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number uh, if you want to give us a call you can send me a text 81333 start your text 3CR Joe's in Letchworth morning Joe good morning Ian how are you yeah I'm good thank you Joe what do you, I, saying I'm good I'm really tired today actually I'm feeling old and tired this morning well that's because you've been laughing too much and just weighing yourself we'll, 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 we'll put a stop to that for the rest of the show 
at the expense of Paul Scoring, bless him. Yeah, I know, I know. I do feel we've, we're the bullying in the workplace. I'm sure we'll be getting uh, we'll be getting some form of uh, official complaint later on. What do you reckon about Ian Burns, this 72 year old guy? Should he have been sent to prison? What was the point? There's no point sending a bloke like that to prison. It'd be a total waste of time. Let's be honest. He's um, he should spend. To be honest, mate, he's um. I should spend the rest of these days helping out uh, members of the community or doing doing some good for the community because, what, £50 a week and it'll be 156 by the time he's paid it back? Get out of it. I suppose the thing is, Joe, I just, I'm just pouring an empty cup of tea into the bin. Uh, I suppose the thing is that it, it sets an example, doesn't it, to other uh, benefit fraudsters, perhaps younger benefit fraudsters, saying, look, if you get caught, you're going to go to prison, so don't do it. Yeah, but like I say, it's, what's it, £700 a week, if not more, to, to keep someone in prison? Um, wouldn't, their, wouldn't their time be better spent? I, I, we need a deterrent, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, it's like you said, you know, you're, you're still sort of on the fence about it. It's, it's, they, we need something to say, yeah, you shouldn't do it because you, you, you are going to get in trouble. And yes, you will um, end up going to prison or, or facing something. But at the same time, it's... Well, these people be better off doing something for the community. You know, we need every, every little help we can get. Joe, thank you very much indeed. 08459 555 We can talk now to Francis Crook, who's Chief Executive of the Howard League for Penal Reform. Morning, Francis. Good morning. D- jailing him, d- will it actually achieve anything, do you think? Well, I, I think it's quite interesting about sending messages. Judges always say they want to send messages. Um, and actually, um, sentencing is the one area of, of public... Um, services at the moment, which is not judged on effectiveness. So, you know, doctors and and the the probation service and everybody else have to judge how effective they are. Judges want to send send in one percent messages, but they don't know what effect this has. I I don't know what effect to other septuagenarian alcoholics this this message will be, whether it will deter other people or not. I mean, it's, it's just an extraordinary bit of decision, I think. So what, what alternatives are there, then? I mean, he's paying back 50 quid a week, which is a joke, really, for over £200,000. Uh, a community service, would that be more effective? And of course, nobody can pay anything back if they're in prison. So, so first of all, we're, um, if you send somebody to prison when they have been paying something back, that will stop. We won't get any compensation. Taxpayer won't get any money. But the taxpayer is now going to have to pay something like an extra £100,000 to keep somebody in prison um, instead. So we're going to lose out the taxpayer and the, the, we'll lose out both ways. And I think that's, that's really sad because actually when people do wrong, I would prefer rather than doing sort of expensive punishment like this, I would prefer that they did pay back. They did say they were sorry and that they made some recompense for the wrongdoing in a very positive way and that can be through fines for example. Uh, so I think as a, generally as a principle for wrongdoing, trying to make amends for the wrong that's been done is a better principle than, than expensive punishment. Is there no deterrent uh, I- involved in this, so because surely there will be people watching this story or hearing about this story uh, and uh, seeing well, if, if they're going to send a 72-year-old bloke to prison for 18 months, then the, 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 me as a younger person, I better knock this on the head. Well, that, that's what people keep saying, but you see that the if you look at actual evidence, if we if what we know works um, is that it's getting caught. 
that is the deterrent, mm. not the punishment. And that's really important because this means that judges quite often don't know what they're talking about. Um, it's actually getting caught, not the punishment. Uh, if you're going to get caught, if the likelihood of getting caught doing something is greater than not, then it, that is a deterrent. And of course it depends who you are, what the deterrent is. For you and I, getting caught doing something wrong would be really serious. And so, you know, I am incredibly careful. I do not break the law. I don't speed. I don't steal. I do, you know, I'm very careful because getting caught will be really important. However, for if you are a septuagenarian alcoholic, <laughs> actually, the deterrent probably is less, uh, less important, mm. whether it's getting caught or the punishment. So it depends who you are and what you do. But generally, it's the getting caught that is the deterrent, not the punishment. Uh, now, are you taking this attitude because primarily of his age? The fact that he's 72 years old? Not, not really. And although, of course, the, um, we now have whole prisons devoted to people who are older, partly because we, we use prison uh, much more excessively. Do we? Than, than Do we? I, didn't, I didn't know that. Well, there are, there are saga prisons out there. Yes, yes. And we have longer sentences than almost anybody else. So we keep people in prison for longer, and uh, we use prison much um, as a greater proportion of wrong for wrongdoing. So yes, we have whole prisons for old people, mm. and of course, because prison is such an unhealthy environment and is so depressing, um, you're considered to be in prison. You're considered to be old by fifty, um, and people die very young in prison. So Francis, there, it's very unhealthy. there will be people listening, because I do know some of the uh, the callers and listeners, as they're regulars, who are saying, oh, for goodness sakes, for goodness sakes, this bloke broke the law. What's this woman on about? Let's bang them all up and throw away the key. What would you say to them? Well, if you lock up everybody who breaks the law, you'd have about 8 million people in prison. And I think that, so we do have to make choices. We don't lock up everybody who, who breaks all laws. Um, we, we make choices about who we send to prison. And I think prison has a place for pe- people who commit serious and violent offences and who are dangerous. Um, and I've met lots of those, and I think that, that custody has a place for those people. However, the majority of people who commit offences do not go to prison. And we currently have a very successful probation service. Uh, every single probation service is successful at turning lives around and reducing crime, working with victims, and it's cheap and it's effective. And I think that's, that's what it's there for. It's for people who are not dangerous, but who are a nuisance or who've done wrong. Get them to make amends for the wrong with them. Pay some compensation. Do something useful to say they're sorry. Um, and they're not going to do it again. And it's much cheaper for us. And everybody benefits. Victims benefit. Francis, I'm going to let you go just because your line is starting to break up a little bit. But I think we got your point at the end. Thank you for that. Francis Crook, Chief Executive of the Howard League for Penal Reform, saying, well, but prison probably not the best place for a 72-year-old alcoholic. Let's get him out there doing something for the community, some kind of community service, something, paying things back that way, because then it's saving us money, it's better for him, better for everybody. Well, what do you think? Should we be softer with him? There are a couple of... There are three factors here, I think, that are significant. One is his age, he's 72 years old. One is he suffers from depression. uh, And one is he's an alcoholic. So those three things, should we consider those uh, when it comes to sentencing? 08459 455 555. Now, we've had lots of calls this week 
from pensioners saying, oh, you're just picking on the pensioners. Oh, you've got no sympathy for the... Pe- oh, no empathy for the pensioners. Well, I guess I'm talking to you this morning. The pensioners, the older people, what do you think? Should you be... You want to be treated the same as everybody else? If that's true, then this fella should have got a big sentence because somebody in their 40s, somebody in their 30s would have got 18 months. 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number. And also, if you're on benefits, how do you feel about this? Does something like this give you uh, a a bad uh, name? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 is the phone number. You can also send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. John from Datchworth has said, I'm not condoning what the man has done in any way, but how can the law treat him in that way and a woman in Hoddesdon got a six-month suspended sentence for the same offence because she got a family? The judges need to be consistent. How can they send a pensioner who will obviously struggle in prison and basically let off a 30-something young woman? John from Datchworth. Well, I guess uh, because she has got family. I don't quite know that story, but because she's probably got kids. There's a, where's the, there's, there's a story on the front page of one of the newspapers. Where on earth has that gone? Ah, where is it? The, uh, where's my express? Oh, here it is. Look. Britain's most shameless man. Britain's most shameless man. I thought that was Justin Dealey, but no. It's a gentleman called... Uh, uh, Raymond Hull, a drug-dealing dad of 22 children by 11 women, spared jail. A shameless scrounger who has 22 children by 11 different women avoided prison after telling a judge he needed to be at home to look after his latest baby. I guess that, and that's the kind of a similar thing, isn't it? You're, you're, you're treated slightly differently if you have young kids who would suffer because of your absence. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this. Raymond Hull, 58, was initially jailed for 18 months for drug dealing. But the sentence was suspended after he claimed he needed to look after seven-month-old Barry. Sorry? Look after seven-month-old Barry. Yeah, that's right. They've named a child Barry. Barry's a 58-year-old man's name. You can't name a... No children are called Barry. Barry? The sentence was suspended after he claimed he needed to look after seven-month-old Barry while his girlfriend, Emma McNeil, 26... Goes out to work. What a strange setup. The f- isn't it telling that the thing I'm finding most striking about that whole story is the fact the baby's called Barry? I know. Who calls a baby Barry these days? Forget the 22 children by 11 women. Forget the fact that he's drug Maybe dealing. Maybe he's run out of names. Baby Baza. I um, had uh, a friend, my Japanese, one of my Japanese teachers. She married a Scotsman. Uh, and uh, she, they had a baby. What did they call the baby? Oh, oh they called the baby um, Alan. Now, Alan is not a baby's name. It's, again, it's, that's a 30... It's not a baby in these days' name. It's a 33-year-old accountant called Alan. Have you met my accountant? He's called Alan. Yeah, he's a nice bloke. No, have you met my baby, Alan? It's an odd one, isn't it? Uh, the, the Barry and Alan. There we go. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Uxbridge on the A40 eastbound, a vehicle's broken down at the Swakeley's roundabout. The M25 anti-clockwise starting to get busy between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. 
Slightly further afield, the M11 southbound is blocked between 7 for Harlow and 6 for the M25 after an accident. Queues are building on the approach there. And on public transport, London Overground have service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 7.30, getting an interesting uh, response on the emails about this uh, case. I shall read them after a little bit of news and sport with Jane. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. In the past year, nine people have been stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. The cases involve physical, sexual and emotional abuse, downloading of indecent images of children and a serious incident which caused harm to a child. Government plans to prevent new housing developments from adding to problems of flooding are facing more delay. It's because of a row with building firms over whether the schemes should be mandatory and who should pay. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. 17-year-old Ian Burns spent much of the money on alcohol. The weather, fine and dry with good sunny spells and a high of 8 Celsius. On to sport and in football, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow in the championship match against Reading. Merkel has been playing in Italy's Serie A with AC Milan, Genoa and Udinese. His manager Beppe Sanino says he's a versatile player. He's a very tactical player. He can play in uh, all three roles as midfielder. Aspettando forse qualcuno also work uh, and play in, uh, as a holding midfielder with uh, with uh, the same role of Irene. In League 1, MK Dons are repairing for the visit of Shrewsbury and Stevenage are at Oldham. Luton will make wholesale changes for tomorrow's FA Trophy game at Cambridge. Manager John Still will start many of the players who beat Reading 4-1 in a development game on Monday. Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth says they've had a positive week after the disappointment of last weekend. Wickham lost again at home. They have just won one game in the last nine... They've just won once in the last nine games. Now, how many times have they won, Jane? They've won once. There were nine games and they only won one of them. Thank you very much for I doing that. I think we've got that clear now. Um, did you know that West Brom have named the former Real Betis manager Pepe Mel as their new head coach? He signed an 18-month contract and will work with the current caretaker boss Keith Downing at the Hawthorns. In tennis, the Wimbledon champion Andy Murray will face Japan's Go Suida in the opening round of the Australian Open. He's been drawn in Rafael Nadal's half and could face Roger Federer in the quarterfinals. In the women's draw, Laura Robson will play 18th seed Kristen Flipkens. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with the full bulletin at 8. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So talking about Ian Burns, 72-year-old, suffers from depression. He's an alcoholic. Uh, committed benefit fraud over £200,000 over 11 years. He's been sentenced to 18 months in prison. Alan on the text uh, is not quite so convinced about his story. Alan or Yoda, I'm not quite sure. Convenient, his son owns his house. Likely not. Believe him, no. Take his house as proceeds of crime. Uh, And there's an email as well from... uh, Where is it? Stephen. Steve. Uh, Ian, I I cannot understand why a 72-year-old major fraudster would not be properly penalised. This man didn't just forget to tell the authorities his circumstances. He went out to steal money. Do you think 72-year-olds should not receive commensurate punishment? Gary's in Luton. What do you reckon, Gary? 
Uh, I think that, like, obviously he needs punishing. Like, you know, that's without a doubt. You know, he's done wrong, he needs punishing. But, you know, I, I do believe that sort of uh, the government and the media, um, and they're just turning on poor people. Uh, what about the super rich that avoid millions and millions and millions of pounds of tax? Look at the MPs that was, have been swindling the country for like 10, 15, 20 years. They've probably done more than 20 grand in a year. They ain't got 18 months. But they've not been breaking the law. What, well, like, um, what, the MPs haven't been breaking the law? Well, the, the, the handful like, that have... Well, there's, there's, there's a handful of them that... The handful that have, have, been, have been sent to prison. Yeah, but not for 18 months. The, the, you talk about the big corporations as well. They're, yeah, they're I'm, not... I'm sorry, no, not just the big corporations. People like Philip Green, who uh, like, I know it's tax avoidance, which is different. Well, it's, but, it's, but that's the thing. The but that's the thing. It's it's legal. The, the, the thing is, like, but what they what like the, the it's like the tabloid paper reporting on the uh, the the most dishonest man in every every day. There's a dishonest person. Yes, you know all they all they're trying to do is. Keep, take the, take our eye off the ball. Let's have a look at the poor people that are doing wrong. None of these, but although they're doing wrong, and I'm not, I'm not defending the fact that you should be breaking the law because you shouldn't. What I'm saying is, is that you know people are breaking the law because they're poor. They're not breaking the law to live a lavish lifestyle where they're jet setting and stuff like that. Do you think you know? that when stories like this come up? Gary, it is uh, an uh, an attempt by the media, and I include us in that, to kind of uh, uh, highlight people on benefits. There seems to be a lot of attacks on people on benefits, doesn't there? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that people on benefits are attacked all the time, and and made to made to be like. There's a lot of people that don't do anything wrong on benefits, obviously, but there is obviously, and there there is also a lot of people that do do stuff wrong on benefits and and claim fraudulently, but they're not doing it to to live a lifestyle of luxury. You know, they're, they're doing it to survive. But, but still, Gary, right? 200 grand. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of my money. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. It is a lot of your money. Um, and a lot of my money as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been a taxpayer. Although I'm a student now. Uh, I, I just think that we're, we're sort of... Uh, the government and the media and and it too much is like I think if you work out the percentage of how much money is actually defrauded and no like not saying that it makes it okay, it's it's a very very small amount compared to you know when you look at the bigger picture. Yeah. So nobody nobody's doing it because that. that because uh, they're like you know it's not just that agreed. Some people are doing it out of necessity. Okay. Gary, can I ask what are you studying? Uh, psychology and criminal behaviour. Oh, there we go. Well, can I can I ask how old are you? Uh, Forty two. What made you? What made you? Uh, dis- oh, Gary, Gary, are you the Gary that we spoke to earlier in the week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the okay. You you gave us one of our funniest, uh, one of my favourite lines this week when we you were on. For those who missed it, Gary was uh, talking to a gentleman called Sam, who uh, thought that all um, drug users should be executed. And there was a lovely bit where you did this. You did this very high pitched giggle, and you just went, "You're funny, you are." (laughs) My favourite. So I know you've had a troubled past. Is that why you've been drawn to studying psychology because of your history with drugs and and, and things like Uh, that? It could be. To be honest, uh, I'm, I, I was a, before that. I was a carpenter for twenty odd years, oh, yeah. and uh, when I got when I found sobriety and my new way of life, uh, I decided I want to work with people. So I started doing a voluntary job for a social inclusion charity. Very quickly realised that I'm, through having no uh, qualifications, I wasn't going to get very far. So I did an access course at college. And that was the first time I studied any psychology, and it just flicked a light on yeah. in my head that 
and I and just made me want more. I never really intended to go to university. It just that is it weird? Are you, are you the oldest person there? Because I remember when I was at university, we, um, had, um, we had one old boy, I say old boy, he was in his 40s, called Charlie. And we, I mean, we ribbed him mercilessly. Uh, no, I, I think I may be one of the oldest. People don't generally rib me. I, I, I rib myself more for being old. Um, I'm, I'm not, I've never ribbed. There is a, I've seen an older boy than me that's studying journalism, uh, studying uh, creative writing or okay. something like that. He's an ex-journalist that's oh, okay. uh, retired and he's doing, he's doing a later degree. But I think in the psychology, I'm, I'm one of the oldest in, right. in my year anyway. You've got a bit of experience under your belt. Gary, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much. Keep in touch. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Pat's in Houghton Regis. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. Well, you got any sympathy for this? This Ian Burns, seventy-two, alcoholic, suffers from depression, sentenced to eighteen months for benefit fraud. What a clever man, eh? He's got uh, he's claimed in two different names as well. What a, what a pillar of society. What we should do is give him a job um, in the benefit office, uh, helping them how to spot cheats. That might work. That's tongue in cheek, by the way, Ian. I think he should be locked up, yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what What you're saying, actually? This is what the, a lot of security companies do, is they employ ex-burglars, because who best to, to spot if your security system is any good or not? Someone who can break through it. I was coming to that. It, uh, when they say crime pays, it does pay, doesn't it? You, you're a criminal for a little while, you get locked up, oh, right, I can get a career in this now, I'll go and assist the police or security companies. But isn't it better that they do that rather than go back outside thieving again? Well, all it means, really, is that they've got away with a crime and they probably haven't got a prison sentence that's probably suspended anyway. And after it's suspended, they've got a nice little earner coming along. How do you know they're not still robbing houses on the side. But then by that reckoning, Pat, we could never give people a second or third chance. Well, I think you've got to give them the first, the first chance, and that's the punishment. Make the punishment <laughs> fit the crime. So hang on, if, they do, if someone does a crime, if yeah. someone gets caught doing a crime, yeah. they get punished and that's it, their life's over, they can never get another job. They, no, can they, ne- get, they get a sentence that fits the crime, which means they have to reflect on that crime. Okay. Not come out in two months' time. I mean... Perhaps that uh, that pensioner done it because his pension is not all that, you know. I don't know. So what should you... Are you saying that, that the 18 months for Ian yeah. Burns is appropriate? Or he should have got longer? He should have got longer. Really? I mean, yeah, what do you want a con artist out on the streets for? He's going to come back out and probably do something else to, to get the money that he needs. I mean, he is a career criminal, really, after doing all these aliases. It's not as if he's a pensioner that's suffering because he's not getting enough pension. He's actually planned it. it but some people might consider that a little bit harsh, Pat. He tried to kill himself before he, he got sentenced. Yeah, well, I'd get depressed if I was caught nicking £200,000. But hopefully I won't get to that stage. You're too clever for that, Pat. You, they'll, they'll never catch you. <laughs> they'll never catch you, Pat. Thank you very much indeed. 08459. Four double five, five double five. Give him longer, Pat is saying. And I, I, I kind of buy what Pat's saying. Who knows this gentleman's full mental uh, history? But you do often hear about criminals getting sentenced. So he suffers from depression. Yeah, I would, I would be suffering from depression if I was going to get sent uh, to prison. And you do wonder how many people kind of... I'm not suggesting that's the case with this gentleman, Mr Burns. Mr Burns. Uh, but you do wonder how many people 
kind of throw in that I've suffered from depression. It's a hard one to prove you don't suffer from depression, really. Fiona's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Fiona. Good morning to you, Ian. Fiona, what would you like to say? I'd, I'd like to comment on two things that both Gary and Pat mentioned. Oh, yes. Um, the first... The first one, sorry, my my phone fell on the floor, sorry. Oh dear. Have you picked it up now? No, I'm not able to. I can do that later. Good. Okay, good for you. Um, uh, Gary, was, I was very, I was very um, um, struck by what Gary said about the necessity aspect. Yes. And then I was also very struck by the aspect of Pat saying, you know, he, he needed to be harsher, and, 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 but hopefully he wouldn't get caught. Well, that's just the thing. At the time, we never know. We never know. We all, we're happy at the time. But yes. I'd like to say, I think these people, these people should be, should, I don't agree with what they've done. I understand it, but I don't agree with it. And I do believe that if you do, if you do the crime, yes. you need to do the you time. You need to do the time. So you think, what, do you think 18 months is enough? Too long? He should have got more? I don't know. It's not for me to judge. That's, that's the position of the professionals to judge. But you can, you can give us your opinion, Fiona. To over I'll, give, 200... I'll, give, I'll give you my opinion. I, I think, I think that, I think that criminals should be given, or People, not criminals, but people, should be given three chances. Three chances when, 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 when. Oh, oh if I was slip up, yes. right, the first time, okay, yes, uh, just like a job warning, a stern telling off, a stern telling off. You bring up a children, stern telling off. Second time, you know, a bit harsher, and yes, then the smack. third time, bring out the full. Lock in the bedroom, Dennis. What, Dennis? What do you reckon to what Fiona's saying? Uh, what? I'm bringing the children up the right way. I'm not, excuse me, sir, I'm not saying that I'm, you're not bringing your children up. I'm, I, what I'm speaking from is I was just trying to relate to the presenter so you could understand what I was saying. I wasn't making any reference to your parental um, abilities. Right, that's good. Superb. No offence meant. Please don't take any. No. I'm too old to take an offence. God bless you. I couldn't even build a fence. <laughs> Fiona, thank you very much indeed. Dennis, what do you reckon? 18 months? I think... Having been to prison... Oh, for goodness sake. Well, didn't you go to prison to make a rocking horse? Yeah, that's right. OK, so But that's... while I was in there, they told me it was £45,000 a year to keep a prisoner. Yes. So, it, it, that money's never going to come back. They're making it worse by sending him to prison. It's just making it worse. But he did wrong. He stole £200,000 of my money, Dennis. Yeah, I realise that. but how Over a period of 11 years. That's right. And I, I don't think that he should get away. But I just don't understand what we could actually do because sending him to prison is not going to do any damn good. We're going to have to check. We're going to have to pay extra money to keep him there. But supposing, supposing it stops another two people from doing what he's done? Yes, I think... It was, when then we, we save the money, we make the money back. To, when we really get, in the future, be able to change people's heads, never mind their minds, we might be able to train people not to do things. I just, on, honestly, after all this time, I cannot think how we can punish this man properly. He's done a, he's done a crime, don't get me wrong, it's wrong, and it, it's my tax as well he's had, right? So I can't, I just honestly... Floors me. How the hell can it? Can I just say one thing first before you chop me off? Oh. Yesterday you told me that your little lad fed his grandma. Yes. And, and to me, 
that honestly filled me up, and I'm an hard-hearted old devil, oh. but that filled me up because his I grandma's thought, not his grandma's not very good with her arms, no. and so he, he quite he loves to sit next to her and he feeds her. Well, then I'll t- all I can say is that you brought him up the right way. You're very very kind. Eh? He's four years old on Monday. I know. Incredible. And he knew what to do before. Dennis, you're very kind. Thank you for picking up on that. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. It's a quarter to eight. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Uxbridge, the broken-down vehicle on the A40 eastbound has now been removed. Checking the speed sensors, things very slow in Wendover on the A413 as you pass the station. That's southbound. M25 anti-clockwise, slow between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On public transport, London Overground have service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. 7.46, it's Friday the 10th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The past year saw nine people stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. A pensioner from Aylesbury has been jailed for 18 months for falsely claiming benefit of £200,000. In sport, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. More of your calls after the news with Elizabeth Rizzini. Weather. I know. Weather. BBC. I know. I know. It's the weather, Elizabeth. Weather. I'm so. I'm so tired. I'm literally. (laughs) I need some matchsticks up my um, uh, eyeballs. (laughs) Why? Because I'm so tired. Why are you tired? I was up all night partying at Stringfellows. (gasps) I wasn't. You naughty boy. I wasn't at all. I was. uh, I had a very bad night's sleep. Anyway, Elizabeth, on you go. Mm. Okay, all right. Well, it's a cold start to the day, and noticeably so. In fact, uh, we may just see some ice on the roads and the pavements, just lots of moisture around from all the rainfall we've been seeing. So all of, some of this could have could have uh, frozen on the ground. So we've got a Met Office warning out for the ice, something to be aware of, I think, through the morning rush hour. And uh, nice, dry, bright start to the day. Lots of sunshine around, actually. Not a bad-looking day at all. There will be some showers, perhaps, into the afternoon. Certainly a risk of seeing some here and there at times. Temperatures between 7 and 8 degrees Celsius I think today 46 in Fahrenheit. Now for this evening's rush hour we've got some outbreaks of light patchy rain spreading in from the west. I know it's quite well um, unwelcome I should say for uh, places that have seen a lot of water recently but it will be quite light and patchy. Temperatures down to 5 or 6 degrees Celsius this is actually a cold weather front. weather front, it's a cold front that's going to bring in some colder air and time for the weekend so tomorrow a rather chilly day, bit of a disappointing start with plenty of cloud around, that will clear to leave us with Lots of crisp, lovely winter sunshine. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow, I think. Nice day to get out and about. Just wrap up nice and warmly. Quite a sharp frost on Saturday night into Sunday. Possibly some fog patches, but staying dry again until Sunday night. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. After three of our local teams win FA Cup action last weekend. Steve Lee just surely through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. It's Patrick Bamford in his final game in an MK Don shirt who equalises. And it's Sean Murray who gets the golden goal in the FA Cup for the Hornets. It's back to the league. Tomorrow, Three County Sport will bring you live commentary on Watford, MK Dons and Stevenage. Plus, there's more live cup commentary. Luton are in FA Trophy action away to Cambridge. Luton Town get their reward for an excellent...
excellent start here at Kenilworth Road. Choose your local team tomorrow afternoon from two with Three Counties Sport. Now, Catherine Boyle, what you got? Exciting news about Splash. Oh, yes, my favourite TV show of all what, time, yes. What news isn't exciting when it contains yes. the word Splash? Yes. yes. Uh, you know there's going to be an MP in it tonight. Well, she's supposedly this this foxy, foxy MP. Not she's foxy, not She's Then again, there's not an awful lot of competition. I'm not being horrible. But no, there isn't. They're, 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 I think... And nor yes. should they be. It's not about their looks, clearly. No, it's about their policies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But Penny Morden's going to be doing it. She says she'll be donating her fee for appearing on Splash to a charity in her constituency. She's doing it for the Portsmouth Lido. Oh. Not the Lido Massive. It's, well, that's a swimming pool, is it? Yes. So that's ch- that's a charity? Yes. For a swimming pool? Yes. An I, outdoor swimming pool. I never forget that one of the Big Brother winners, um, it was a Scottish fella, Cameron. It was like series I three Cameron, or four. I remember he was a nice Christian. He was a nice Christian, and he donated a lot of his money to charity. But it was to um, uh, epileptic dogs. Now, I, I would, I would um, put a Lido below epileptic dogs in terms of needs for charity. It is a, there are, I don't know, there are sick kids, there are people with cancer. You know, a swimming pool? Mm. Really? The other question is, would you want to see your MP in a swimming costume? Um, no, well, quite possibly not. You know, how can you look them in the eye again when you've seen... No, there are that. some things that, sh- that should not be seen. Keep it private. Keep it to Marbella. Paul, Paul Young's in it as well. Paul Young's he? in it. There's also another Towie star. Yeah. Says um, Dan. Yeah. I think he's one of the new ones with the muscles. Dan from Towie. Okay. Yeah. Comedian Patrick Monaghan. You aware of his work? Who's that? Oh, yeah. uh, who, who, who's that? The, the Irish one. No, yeah, that, that sounds like it. No, that's Patrick Kilty. Oh, no, yeah, there is exactly another one. There is another Irish one. Patrick. There are a couple of Irish ones. Monaghan. I'm thinking I, dark wavy hair. Oh, yeah, OK. He's Irish-Iranian. Oh, dear. What's that? He's, well, it means he's Irish-Iranian. OK, well, that's allowed, isn't it? Well, it's just ticking two boxes for the sake of it, for goodness sakes. Wow. Yeah. Sorry? Wow, you've got cynical. <laughs> Daniel I, Lloyd. I don't, I don't trust the Irish comedians ever since I got beaten by Tommy Tiernan in a, in a stand-up I comedy I knew there was something under this, yeah, and it was all about yeah. you. Yeah. Danielle Lloyd. Remember her from uh, BB? She, oh, she, yes. She's off of Gary Lineker. She'll, she'll push at her. That's not Daniel Lloyd off of Gary Lineker. That's a different Daniel. Oh. That's Daniel Lineker. Shilpachetti. Yes. Yes, Jade Goody. That one. But there's also other news, and actual news. Um, the race. Can I just down. say, can I just say, I interviewed Jeff Brazier years ago. Remember Jeff Brazier? Yes. Um, and he, when he was kind of sort of still married to, to Jade Goody, okay? And they were going through a rocky patch at were the time. Were they married? I didn't think they were ever married. Well, they were, whatever. They were going through a rocky patch at the time, and we were talk- I was doing a thing with him, then we went to the break, it was a live TV show, we went to the break, and I, just to make conversation, I said, Jeff, how's things, you know, I'm sorry you're having a, a tough time, how's things going at home with Jade? He went in, got it sorted. Got, got some great advice for you. He then proceeded to give me the worst bit of relationship advice I've ever heard in my life, OK? What, well, if he, you've got a gripe, bite it down, no, keep it hidden. even worse. He said, if ever things are going badly between you and your missus, have another baby. Wow! <laughs> have another baby. Baby, ladies and gentlemen, the worst relationship <laughs> advice I've ever heard in my yes. life. They're known to be nature's great Bring, sticking plaster, it, aren't they? He said it brings you closer together. No, yeah. no. If there is a crack there, it'll prize it apart. Well, that's yes, that's of course that's the babies. Yes. Oh, you mean the, in the relationship? Sorry. Yeah. So okay. So Danielle Lloyd is uh, is, in it. is in it. But Splash presenters Vernon Kay and Gabby Logan. Yes, it's theirs yes. and not uh, Thingies. Tom Daly. Tom Daly. Well, so they call it Tom Daly's Splash all the time in the papers. That must Ooh. be quite annoying. You would know. Yeah. Is that annoying for Vernon and Gabby? Well, I think so. Tom Daly 
Bailey Splash as well. I mean, that's, I've got that on video somewhere. But last year's launch show was watched it's... by 5.6 million viewers, now 4.9. Is that bad? Why did you just horse bite your microphone, Kelly Betts? Boredom. Okay. <laughs> Tell me. Anyway, about it. it's gone down a bit. They say that's fine. It's not massive. Uh, the the the, the um, real the episodes two and three. That's what you need to see the figures on really? to find out if there's if if that keeps on dropping, then they're in trouble. But uh, so the first one, people might just have missed it because they didn't know it was on. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's maybe. the excuse you make to yourself. Yeah, that's the excuse I tell myself in my career, and uh, it served me well. Food. Yeah. Sandwich paste. It's like sick in a jar. Foods you're afraid of. Justin, foods you're afraid of. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Oh, you keep going on about uh, yeah, that. I don't yes. get... Can I just say, I do not get the Brussels sprouts. The Brussels sprouts are... got They, they are wonderful things. No. You've not had them cooked properly, but you want no. them fried with a bit of garlic. Nope. Mark my words right now. If I said, call Ian Lee and tell him you have a, a real fear of Brussels sprouts, I guarantee mm. you, your you, phone lines will go crazy well. because a lot of people when they were younger, particularly around Christmas Day, they were forced to eat these no vials. Someone is forced to eat. Yes, Justin, they were. I bet I could get you to eat a sprout. Just think no. of it as a fairy cabbage. Get out of here. <laughs> Justin, so you're in a room with Brussels sprouts. Yes. What's the worst thing that could happen? <sighs> the worst thing that could happen? Well, they're green. and They, they, they're they not might attack get me. You. No, they're not going to get they me. They might get in his mouth. Yes, they might do. And that would be terrible. So you're afraid of Brussels sprouts. Mm. Also, you won't eat a banana or a hot dog in public. You yep. think it gives off the wrong image? I think so. I think, you know, a man eating a banana on a train for me, as I've mentioned before, I don't think that looks right. I oh, know, I think it's his something exact, I like to see. His exact quote was, I won't eat anything long. <laughs> Except he did say that he'd eat his avalon in private. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> very, very Justin, true. you've been out speaking to people this morning. What have they had to say? Yes, uh, the top ten most feared foods. Uh, here's the top five for you. Uh, number one, oysters. Number two, uh, fish with eyes. Number three, offal. Number four, meat cooked rare. And number five is anchovies. But, but go to n- number six is blue cheese. Which is ridiculous. Well, blue cheese is, is God's gift to the, the, the dessert. It's yeah. a wonderful thing. Number seven, liver. Eight, shellfish. Number nine, fish on a bone. And number ten, gherkin. So, uh, this morning, Ian, uh, and again, this comes with a conspiracy theory, I've been talking to people about the foods that they fear the most. Here's what happened. Daniel, good morning. Having your breakfast this morning. Probably the wrong time to bring this up. But uh, what foods do you hate so much that you fear them? Peas. Well... I've never really liked the taste of them or the texture. And when I was uh, in lower school, they wouldn't let us go until we ate our vegetables. And I couldn't eat the peas because I didn't like them. And then so the dinner lady put, like, took the lid off the salt, said they'd be better with salt, and poured a load of salt on them and said, try them now. And I tried them. And since then, it's just put me off them for life. So still to this day, it haunts you. When you see them on somebody's plate, do you, do you automatically get scared? I'm not scared, but it's just cringe at the thought of eating them. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what... But ninety percent of it, right? Be careful, because there's a, there's a kind of manslaughter thing going on in the in the country. You know, I mean, the old the old food industry's out to get you, backed by the government. So be careful, because I think undertakers are making a lot of money at the moment. Well, what you got now? You got you got white bread. You got bags of sugar. What else you got? You're scared of bread. I'm scared of white bread. Yes, yeah, full of chemicals. Right? Don't you know? Charles, what's it for you? The one food that really gets you, gives you the creeps. Runny eggs. What's wrong with runny eggs? It's just wrong. It's just disgusting. They go over your plate. Everything's oh, it's actually nasty. Who? Uh, why? Let's follow this conspiracy theory through. Mm, we will mm. do a special on conspiracy theories one day because I, I I love them. They're yeah, all they're nonsense. Uh, hey, listen, Princess Diana died in a car crash because she was being driven by a drunk French man who was going too fast and she wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Okay. Yeah. But why would the food industry 
want to kill us because then they wouldn't make any money. I can only presume. Now, this man is saying that uh, the food industry, backed by the government, are trying to kill people. I can only presume they're trying to get the numbers down in this country. So too many people, I presume, Uh, based on what he's saying, are having uh, children. He's saying, let's get the numbers down and let's do it in a way where people don't realise. White bread. White bread and sugar. Apparently sugar, according to Paul Scoyne's Our Political Reporter, is the new tobacco. Well, this was on the front page of the story of the newspapers yesterday. Sugar is the new tobacco. Well, it's mm. not. You can't smoke sugar. Trust no, me, can't. I've tried. <laughs> and you can't. You don't put fags in your tea. But let's be honest, Theo. Sugar, salt, two, two things there, clearly not good for you. But I think that man's I'm conspiracy theory is absolutely ridiculous, but just my opinion. I'm, I'm off the salt this year, Justin. I know that you, you and I, when we go out for a, a little prisoners, when we go for a nice fry-up after the show, which I've, I've knocked on the head as well... Mm. Uh, I've, I've been following your lead, and I've been smothering my food with salt. <laughs> smothering it. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Well, it's it's delicious. Yeah. It makes bland food taste nice. I've knocked it on the head for 2014, Just. Why? I don't want to die. <sighs> but then again, if you are going to die, surely you've got to die happy, haven't you? I don't want to die with my arteries all clogged up. Is that what salt no. does? I don't actually know. <laughs> I just know that it's bad for you. To be fair, I need to cut down, like many people, on my salt intake. But the problem is, I love it so much. And I think after, I think it's about a month, or so. If you start having lots of salt, I think you uh, uh, you become used to it. So then you need yeah, more, and more, more and more and more. Do you put salt on your cigarettes? I don't, but I put salt on my toast. You do what? I put salt on my toast. That's ins- that is insane. No, it's not. Other people back me on this. Trust me. No, no Justin. No, Come on. No one listening to this puts salt on their toast. Okay. Let me just flip the coin for a second. If we've got people going out for a meal this weekend and they had garlic bread, I guarantee you, most people, they'll be putting salt on the garlic bread. Same thing. <laughs> first of all, first of all, garlic bread isn't toast. And secondly, no, they wouldn't. 08459 455 555. Can you back me up on this? Justin Dealey is a fruitcake. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call in from Phil, who's just north of Stoke Goldington on the B526. It's partially blocked by an overturned car. It is just passable, though. On the speed sensors, Wendover, the A413, just heading past the station southbound, is looking very slow. The M25 anti-clockwise also struggling between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On public transport, London Overground have service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. So we're talking about pensioners going to prison and we're talking about Muppets putting salt on their toast? Come on, nobody does that. Do they? Do they really? and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. People prevented from working with children in Luton after allegations of abuse. Britain accused of stoking fears over immigration and the Aylesbury pensioner who fraudulently claimed £200,000 in benefits. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nine people were dismissed from their positions from working with children in Luton last year. It follows allegations of physical, sexual and emotional abuse and one serious case which caused harm to a child. But the number for Luton isn't unusual in Britain, according to Professor Michael Preston Shute, chairman of the Safeguard Board, which wrote a report on the issue. I would say that that Luton is in the average range um, um, of cases. Um, 
uh, over the last four years. Um, and I think that local authorities and their statutory partners are generally experiencing an increased awareness about the importance of ensuring safety amongst the children's workforce. A church in Luton has now been without its vicar for a year since his arrest last January. James Ogley from Francis's church was suspended after allegations of child sex offences in Hertfordshire. The Agnew reports. St Albans Diocese say that another vicar is still overseeing ministry at the church on a week-by-week basis. James Ogley was arrested on January the 10th last year on suspicion of arranging or facilitating child sex offences. He's been the vicar of the church in Hollybush Road since August 2011, which is twinned with St Hugh's Church in Cockenhoe in Hertfordshire. He's been rebailed by Hertfordshire Police until the 13th of March. The Vice President of the European Commission, Viviane Redding, is accusing British ministers of stoking fears about immigration. She says the rhetoric is designed to draw attention from the real problems the UK is facing. The government says the benefit system needs to be fair to British citizens and migrants, but tough on those who flout the law. The House of Lords will today debate draft legislation which would enshrine in law a pledge to hold a vote on Britain's membership of the European Union in 2017. The European Union referendum bill passed through the Commons unopposed. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. Ian Burns, who's 72 and suffers from depression, spent much of the money on alcohol over an 11-year period. Tony Fisher has more. Burns pleaded guilty to falsely claiming a total of over £210,000 in pension credit, housing benefit and council tax benefit. Amersham Crown Court heard he used three different names, including that of a dead person, to illegally claim the money which was paid into his building society account. In sentencing him, the judge said the message has to go out that the public purse cannot be fleeced. In football, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow in the championship match against Reading. The weather, after a chilly start, it will be a dry day with good spells of sunshine. Winds will be light with temperatures up to 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about. It's a very odd show this morning. Well, in Luton, nine uh, people have been sacked for behaviour which could or has harmed a child. They all worked with children and had undergone the proper checks. Has the system failed or is it a sign it's working? An Aylesbury pensioner has been jailed for an 11 years benefit swindle worth more than £200,000. 18 months in prison at the age of 72? Is it right? Do you put salt on your toast and your garlic bread? I know, I know, I know. Justin Dealey has come on with the most ridiculous claim that he puts salt on his toast. I've seen him do it. Come on, Lisa, everybody does it. You ask, if anybody's going out for a posh meal this week, they'll be putting salt on their garlic bread. Really? I don't think so. I don't think so. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. On the subject of uh, salt on toast, Jamie's on the A5. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Jamie, you don't put salt on your toast, do you? What? Yeah. Um, oh, Jamie, it's a terrible line. Well, maybe we'll try and get back a bit later on. Steve's in Red Bull. Morning, Steve. 
Morning, mate. All right? Yeah, go on. With, with the toast uh, the, with salt on. You don't do it, do you? No, I don't do that, but I've never had a Ruby Murray either. You've never had a curry? Why? Don't like the smell of it. And after me dad's mate looked and told me, because he was in the uh, cavalry years ago, yes. and he said they used to put the meat, what was rank, into water to get the maggots out of it, yeah. and then put all the slosh all over the top of it, you know, all the, cut, all the uh, spices yeah. in I, I don't think they do that in, uh, nowadays oh, in most no, places. Still put me off. Really? It still put me off, yeah. I remember, going to, uh, I remember going to a meat market in Pakistan, and they had all this black meat. They had black meat for sale. And I said, what's that? And so it's lamb. I said, lamb doesn't look like that. And they flipped, you know, watch this. And they flicked all the flies off. It was yeah. covered in flies. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Steve, what's happening in the background? Do you, do you live in an abattoir? Oh, it would be handy. I'd, I'd eat a lot of chicken at the minute and horses. Well, how many, where, what, how many chickens have you got? Um, I don't know. They're, they're um, a lot of rare breed ones, right? It's, uh, um, Oxford gingers, Australops. Australops. And, and is, is this your house? No, we've got a small holding. Oh, OK. Well, Steve, listen, thank you very much indeed. Nothing, be- nothing better than a fresh egg. At all. Well, something's better now. It's slightly more serious things. Nine people have been sacked from jobs working with children in Luton after being found guilty of uh, being found doing something that could have been harmful or had harmed young people in their care. The details are sketchy. The council isn't naming names, but the Safeguarding Children Board told Luton Borough Council at least one of these individuals had been downloading child abuse images. We can talk to Professor Michael Preston Shute, who's the author of the report and is the independent chairman of the Luton Safeguarding Children Board. Good morning to you, Michael. Thank you for coming in. Nine adults in positions of authority over children being dismissed last year for these reasons. I I have no idea. Is that a lot? It sounds a significant number. Um... Well, well, it's far too many, obviously. Hmm. I would prefer the figure to be zero. Um, but Luton is um, not... The figures for Luton are not um, unusual, sadly. Uh, so Luton is not a special case. Um, and we're looking at uh, professionals and volunteers, so it's paid and unpaid uh, hmm. uh, people, uh, across the whole children's sector uh, workforce. So you're thinking NHS staff... You're thinking children's services staff, foster carers, teachers, nursery workers, people in private voluntary uh, residential care homes. You're thinking about the entire children's workforce, which is huge. Mm. Uh, So although nine sounds an alarming number, Luton is not unusual. Um, It's a tiny percentage. uh, Yes, it's a tiny percentage of a very large workforce. um, And it's absolutely important that we uh, take seriously what children and young people say, uh, that we treat what they say very seriously, that we investigate it thoroughly, and where the allegations are are found to be uh, proven, uh, that appropriate action is taken to remove people from positions of trust. And is that how these people have come to light? I'm assuming that everybody in these positions, voluntary and paid, would have had to have undergone the old CRB check and come through... Precisely. So how are we discovering these? Is it children telling Um, us? it's, uh, It's sometimes children who say either to their parents or to other teachers um, um, or um, um, other professionals uh, that uh, something has happened that they feel uncomfortable about. So it is sometimes children and young people. It is sometimes other members of staff Mm. who are very observant about what is going on and um, 
and and believe that there is something that should be investigated. Um, so uh, what I would uh, want to do today is to appeal to uh, members of staff, um, colleagues, uh, if they're at all um, I'm anxious um, or worried or concerned about what um, um, somebody uh, is doing or may be doing, uh, to escalate those concerns, if necessary, to the local authority designated officer, who is the person who coordinates within the council um, um, all the investigations um, um, of uh, of such allegations, refer to the police um, uh, if uh, if necessary, um, and if it is a child who discloses something, uh, to take what that child says mm. exactly extremely seriously and to act on it it's a fine line isn't it because of course we want to protect our children as a father of two exactly what we want to do but if what if someone if a colleague makes a wrong call about someone and thinks oh steve is up to steve might be a paedophile let me go and report him to the boss and the police but steve's done nothing apart from maybe make an inappropriate joke or something that can be very damaging false allegations can be very damaging can't they False allegations can be very uncomfortable for the person who is on the receiving end of a false allegation. Mm. But I think any professional who is worth uh, their salt, if I can use that metaphor based on what you've been talking yes. about this morning, uh, any professional or indeed volunteer who, who really takes their job seriously will know that the overarching principle is to safeguard and promote the welfare of the child. That's the bottom line. Um, and therefore, it is right and proper uh, that uh, anything which might be potentially of concern um, is investigated. Um, and even if the allegations um, are proven to be false mm. or in very rare occasions malicious um, um, or unfounded, um, nonetheless, there may be some learning from that, both for the individual or for the organisation. Um, and, and I think most professionals and indeed volunteers would recognise um, that for the sake of children's welfare, well-being, safety um, we have to investigate um, um, however unusual um, um, these allegations mm. might be Now, uh, nine cases uh, in the last 12 months I think, 22 yep. since 2009, obviously you can't go into specifics but people, what sort of crimes are we talking about? Because people will of course, I think, assume the worst assume that, that children sure. are be, have been physically abused, is, is, is that one of the Aspects? We're talking about uh, grooming. Uh, we're talking about inappropriate relationships, some of which obviously, um, you know, make the news, um, uh, in, in, including a case in the south of England um, um, last year. Uh, we're talking about uh, inappropriate touching. We're talking about inappropriate chastisement. We're talking about uh, emotional abuse. Um, we're talking about um, abuse of, um, of a position of trust. Mm. And sadly, this is not just about children and young people, although we're talking about children and young people today. There are also adults at risk in Luton, vulnerable adults in Luton, mm. who have care workers coming into their home or who are resident in, in nursing homes and residential care, um, who are also sometimes exploited financially, physically abused sexually um, by care workers who are in a position of trust. That's what we're talking about. Uh, am I right saying as well the number of allegations have increased recently? 
Um, no, the number of um, the number of allegations um, uh, in in Luton um, are broadly following a same right. pattern year on year since we began to track them in 2009-10. Um, uh, so nine people have been removed from the children's workforce in the last year. It was nine in the year before. It's actually 31 in the period that right. we've been monitoring from 2009 um, um, onwards. No, what tends to fluctuate are the percentages of cases where the allegations are found to be proven, um, the percentage where um, uh, they're unproven or unsubstantiated, where um, um, we haven't got sufficient evidence um, uh, in, in, in order to pursue a case further and, and where therefore um, the services have to monitor very carefully um, um, what, uh, what may or may not be going on. We spoke to Kidscape uh, uh, earlier on and the, the lady we were speaking to, Claude, was, was suggesting that she thinks it should be compulsory for people to have to report a work colleague if they're suspicious. It should be I- illegal not to report them. Would you go as far as that? Yeah, well, um, there is indeed a a, um, political debate with a small and indeed a large P about Mm. mandatory reporting. The government um, has at the moment set its face against the mandatory reporting of abuse and concerns. Um, uh, Personally, um, uh, my position is that I I think mandatory reporting certainly has a place, both in relation to child abuse, uh, the abuse of vulnerable adults. Um, uh, So... Yes, I think that that is something that Mm. should seriously be looked at. There is evidence from uh, countries like various states in the United States, various states in Australia, uh, where they have mandatory reporting. There there is evidence, I think, that that, uh, demonstrates that that things get into a domain where they can be um, properly investigated. And we do know that it can be very difficult for colleagues uh, who feel a certain loyalty uh, towards people that they work with, it can be very difficult mm. for those colleagues uh, to take that very important step and to escalate their concerns. But it's absolutely essential they do so, both for children and for adults at risk. And finally, I don't want to be one of those shows that goes around scaremongering. This is such a tiny percentage uh, of, of people who work with children. If you've got kids that are, are living and working or, or playing and doing things in Luton, obviously I'd be an open-minded, uh, open-minded as a parent, but don't be afraid. No, um, don't lose sleep, I think, yeah. is- um, um, you know what we might say um, yes this is nine people removed from the workforce um, uh, in the last year some paid some volunteers across the entire children's workforce if you think of the number of schools um, in Luton mm. you think of the number of um, general practices uh, health centres um, hospitals um, uh, voluntary groups like Cubs Brownies Scouts the number of nurseries um, and so on uh, this is a huge Huge workforce. This is a small percentage of that workforce which we are taking out of the workforce uh, to keep Luton's children safe. And and Luton is neither less safe nor more safe um, than um, other local authority areas um, around about. So be vigilant, but yes, don't lose sleep. Professor, thank you very much for your time this morning. You're Appreciate it. It's Professor uh, Michael Preston. Shoot 08459 455 555 816. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The B526, just north of Stoke Goodalmington, is partially blocked because of an overturned car. Thanks to Phil for phoning in with that one. Wendover's still very slow on the A413 southbound as you pass the station. And on the A10 southbound, looking slow in patches on the speed sensors from Chessent towards London. Public Transport London Overground have service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. It's 8.17, it's Friday the uh, 10th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The past year saw nine people stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. A pensioner from Aylesbury has been jailed for 18 months for falsely claiming benefit of £200,000. In sport, the Watford low midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow. Wow! The weather generally fine with sunny spells and a high of 8 Celsius. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every Saturday morning from nine, Justin Dealey with three hours of great songs and great memories. Philip says here on the text, I saw the Everly Brothers at the Bletchley Leisure Centre. Playing your requests from the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. Tom says, uh, you play some great tracks today. You haven't played one that I didn't like. Justin Dealey. We had our listener votes earlier as well. Well, The Who, they won it. Well, very soon we're going to hear from Marcy Wilde, but at first the American guitarist... Justin Dealey, every Saturday morning from 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, Tim. Morning, morning, morning. Do you put salt on your garlic bread or your toast? Uh, Yeah, I do. I do. What? I think it's quite a continental thing to do. It's quite a European thing to do. Yeah, I always uh, like some nice... Not like... Um, what's the naff salt you get in a big white bottle, like the table salt that you put like on slugs? Yes. Not that. No. But the nice... Oh, the, thick, uh, the chunky big, salt. chunky crystals of sea salt. I do put a little bit on some bread, perhaps rub some garlic on it as well, and then I just sit down and just uh, just relax by myself. You don't eat it? No! no I just, <laughs> I just like the it. process. I just wow. like the process. Yeah. Did you actually have that posh salt in your house? Yes. Yeah, I do. I can do. You buy that from shops. Yeah, or you, just you can it from buy it. restaurants. No, I sometimes I just take it from mostly buy it from shops, but sometimes it just depend, depends. Depends. Wow. I mostly buy toilet roll, and sometimes I, I I just take it from work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh well, no, you can't say that. BBC. You're, the the listeners are paying for uh, that facility for you. Are they paying for me to do that? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. You should be. What's on your show this hey, morning? Hey, good morning. Yeah, uh, the big phone at nine o'clock. Yep. Uh, I'll be looking at the uh, the latest figures from the British Retail Consortium. It uh, shows that a record number of people did their shopping online last month. And since this time last year, we've seen a 20% increase in the number of people choosing to shop online. That's oh. the, the fastest increase in three years. So aside from food now, one in five products are being bought online. So I'd like to hear from you this morning. Do you think the high street's just become a little bit pointless now? I wonder how many people are still bothered to go and shop on the high street. I had the experience, I'm sure many people had over Christmas, of going into a shop and asking for a particular... I was looking for a Le Creusier butter dish. Of course you were, yeah. Of course I was. Uh, from a major retailer. Yeah. And I went in and I waited and they didn't have it and they went and searched in the stockroom and they came back and they said, you might as well go and order it online. It'll be delivered before Christmas. So I did that for most of my presents. In fact, wow. I think I bought virtually everything on my internet computer and I wonder if everyone did the same thing I'd like to hear from you whether people still rely on their high street whether it's still necessary 08459 455555 Across beds, hearts and bucks This is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio Yes 
Now, it's a story you've been talking about this morning. Uh, we've got some texts and emails on this. We'll do those in a second. A pensioner from Aylesbury, who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits, has been jailed for 18 months. Ian Burns, 72 years old. At the rate he's paying back the money, he will be 153 by the time he's done. The court heard the former builder suffers from depression and spent most of the money on alcohol over an 11-year period. Before pleading guilty to the crimes, he tried to take his own life. Let me just read a couple of the comments. Uh, Gary on Facebook says, Prison is not the place for him he needs help john says do the crime if you can't do don't do the crime if you can't do the time no matter what age you are and jenny says i'm not sure prison is the right place for him and he does need treatment but it seems people are asking for sympathy for him for his depression and alcoholism not taking into account the fact that this was a relatively minor fraud like failing to tell this sorry this was not a relatively minor fraud uh, this was a sophisticated, sustained and involved identity theft. Obviously some, something he was capable of doing despite his age. Well, do give me a call. 08459 455 555 uh, is the telephone number if you want to let me know your thoughts on that. Justin Daly has been out and about. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. You've been speaking to people about this, getting their reaction, haven't you? Yeah, well, the people have got sympathy for this man at the age of 72 going to prison. The majority of people don't. Uh, some very interesting audio coming up here. Here's what people had to say. None at all. None at all. Because he's cheated the system and he deserves to go away. I've been in prison and there was a guy in there 15 years ago, he was 84. End of story. He did. You do the crime, you do the time. So what? He's 72. Big deal. He knew what he was doing and that's my last word. And he deserved He's lucky he only got 18 months. Do you think a 72-year-old can cope in prison based on your experience? Yeah. He shouldn't do it. You do the crime, you do the time. End of story. And whilst you're here, I need to ask you the question. A lot of people have got this perception that, that prisons are, are like holiday camps. What's it really like inside? All you do is you smack someone when you get in there and then you're left alone because they know you can look after yourself. It's quite simple. So this 72-year-old has got to go into prison and slap somebody for him to be OK. Is that what he you're saying? He doesn't have to. He can be someone's slave. And anyway, I don't want to talk anymore. That's my opinion. I think so, yeah, because obviously the man probably needs help and hasn't. Uh, got it or obtained it yeah so I do feel in some ways it is hard because I know from any experience well through my brother he was alcoholic needed help desperate to get it so in them circumstances yeah I do have a bit of sympathy yes and sending him to prison at 72 is he really going to get the help there uh, no I don't think so I think that's totally the wrong place to be honest yeah Vanessa if you got any sympathy for this man going to prison at 72? Not really, no, because he's claimed money illegally and he's using it for a purpose for his own pleasure by using it on drink. He's not using it for... If he's a disabled person or something, he's not using it to better his life. He's using it to, you know, just drink his life into the ground, basically. Brendan, what do you think? You've heard about the facts. Should this man have gone to prison? Uh, I think definitely 200000 is a substantial amount of money. And, um, yeah guys get um get prison for a lot less you know 72 though i think it's justifiable justin thank you very much for that lots of different opinion different opinions oh eight four five nine four double five five double five uh joined now by neil blake he's the conservative leader of aylesbury vale district council morning neil good morning to you neil what's your reaction to this case and this sentence well i think that far as the sentence is concerned that's up to the legal system to determine what that sentence should be is it fair um, I think it's fair because, as one of the or several of the speakers have said, this man has cheated the benefit system. This by by cheating the benefit system, you're taking away money from hard-working taxpayers who have to fund 
uh, the money that you've stolen from the system. He's a 72-year-old um, uh, alcoholic depressive who's tried to kill himself. Is prison really the best way of him uh, repaying society? A difficult call. As far as the age is concerned, I don't think age has got anything at all to do with it. If you know that you're cheating the benefit system, you know you're going to get caught. We work very, very closely with other, with government or uh, authorities and bodies, and if someone cheats the system, they're going to get caught out. If you've got a problem with alcohol or whatever, then there are other systems in place to help you to recover from that situation. But in terms of your age, it doesn't matter to me whether you're 20 or 80. If you're cheating the system, you deserve at any penalty that the, the law puts down on you. Does it bother you, Neil, that a pensioner in uh, your patch uh, felt the need to supplement his, his income with by cheating the benefit system? It does concern me. If you have financial difficulties, then you can always come along to the council and we can normally work out a way forward uh, to help you with your financial, financial situation. If you've got a problem with drugs or alcohol, again, the, uh, the, the, the system is, uh, has... Uh, facilities for you to overcome your problem or help you over. The thing is, him being in prison, he's paying 50 quid back a week, which is which is a joke, because it's going to take him uh, 81 years to pay it back. Being in prison is going to cost it, uh, me even more money, isn't it? Uh, in- indeed. But so that- surely, surely, could, if he was doing something to repay society with his time, wouldn't that be a better way of dealing with it? I think that's good for, for a certain point, but as one of your speakers said, £200,000 is a lot of money. If it had been sort of twenty or thirty thousand pounds, maybe I could accept that argument. But I think this has been going on for so long, and I think we need to get the message out, or the courts need to get the message out to the general public that if you cheat, you're going to be severely punished. How did he get away with it for so long? What what what, what are the flaws in the system, Neil, that allowed this to happen? I think uh, this is not just um, a casual stealing of benefits. This is a calculated uh, series uh, of cheating. That he's, he's used other people's names. He's even used dead people's names, which I think is, is totally unacceptable. Um, and that way, he's managed to, uh, to evade uh, the, the various systems in place for quite a long time, about 10 years, I believe. Um, so, yes, if you are determined to cheat the system, you can get away with it for a period of time. But as I said earlier, if you cheat, you will get caught, you will get punished. We had a caller on uh, earlier on, Neil, who, who suggested that the sentence was so severe because he was uh, uh, poor and was claiming benefits and that when you hear of um, perhaps higher paid people, uh, the MPs who defrauded the system, who, who went to prison, they didn't get 18 months, did they? They didn't. Uh, maybe, maybe the whole system needs to be looked at. But here's a case where uh, it is proven, he's admitted it, um, and he's been punished and will serve some of that sentence. Do we... Um, look down upon or attack unnecessarily people who claim benefits? I don't think so. I think everyone's, everyone in, uh, is treated the same. The vast majority of people who claim benefits um, are honest, law-abiding citizens. They, they claim what they're entitled to. It's just these isolated cases uh, which come to the public eye, particularly with a, a claim of overclaim of this size, they're the ones that, um, that really should be looked at and, and hit hard. And there's a conversation such as this but hopefully we'll get the message out to the people uh, of uh, beds, bucks and hearts. If you cheat, you will, you will be your suffer, and your families will suffer as well. So it's, it's all about the suffering? Well, it's the suffering in, in as much as you will you'll have to repay in some way for cheating the general public. It's, it's coming out of the, the benefits that this man has, has, uh, has defrauded the system of uh, comes out of the public purse. Mm. So if you're a hard-working taxpayer, you're paying for these people that are 
getting money illegally. Neil, it's an interesting one. I really appreciate you talking with me about it this morning. Okay, no problem. Thank you very much. Neil Blake, Conservative leader of Aylesbury Vale District Council. Interesting. What, what, what did you make of that? Significantly, it's about the punishment. It's about the suffering. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number uh, if you want to uh, give us a call. Uh, you can also text me 81333. Start your text 3CR. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wendover still looking extremely slow on the A413, just past the station heading south. We had a call in from Phil on the B526, just north of Stoke God- Goldlington, sorry, partially blocked by an overturned car there. The M25 anti-clockwise, slow going between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Also, Brickett Wood, the north orbital, very slow at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. On public transport, London Overground have service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Let's get the uh, news and sport now as we come up to half past eight with Jane. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, I'm Jane Killick. In the past year, nine people have been stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. The cases involve physical, sexual and emotional abuse, downloading of indecent images of children and a serious incident which caused harm to a child. A church in Luton has now been without its vicar for a year since his arrest last January. James Ogley from from St Francis's Church was suspended after allegations of child sex offences in Hertfordshire. A pensioner from Aylesbury who illegally claimed more than £200,000 in benefits has been jailed for 18 months. 72-year-old Ian Burns spent much of the money on alcohol. The weather, fine and dry with good sunny spells and a high of 8 Celsius. Under sport and in football, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow in the championship match against Reading. Merkel has been playing in Italy's Serie A with AC Milan, Genoa and Udinese. In League One, MK Dons are preparing for the visit of Shrewsbury and Stevenage are at Oldham. Luton will make wholesale changes for tomorrow's FA Trophy game at Cambridge. Manager John Still will start many of the players who beat Reading 4-1 in a development game on Monday. The Hatters face former manager Richard Money, who's in charge at Cambridge, but for John Still, it's just another game he wants to win. I know Richard and I've known him for years and he, you know he's always been a, a good manager for me. He's that... But I have no comments on other teams. All I know, whether we play Cambridge tomorrow, whether we play Grimsby tomorrow, whether we play Fleetwood tomorrow, whether we play Dagenham tomorrow, I was there tennis. I ain't bothered about you know. I just want to go there and try and win. Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth says they've had a positive week after the disappointment of last weekend. Wickham lost again at home. They have won just once in the last nine games. And ahead of the trip to Morecambe tomorrow, Ainsworth says they've been working on and off the pitch. The mental part of the game's huge, you know, and, uh, and sometimes not being on the training pitch helps just as much as being out there. And, you know, um, I'm right with these lads and, uh, and they're right with me and, and together we, uh, we aim to put this right. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give me a call, 08459 455 555. Uh, Justin Dilly has shocked us all here. 
um, by telling us that he likes to put salt on his toast. Salt on his toast. He does put a lot of salt on his fry-ups. I've stopped fry-ups, I've stopped salt. Both of those things, although I'm very, very hungry this morning. So it's tempting, but I'm not doing it. I will not relent today. Uh, Do you put salt on your toast? He then told us that everybody who goes out will be putting salt on their garlic bread. Really? That seems crazy. 08459. Four double five five double five is the telephone number. Also talking about uh, Ian Burns, 72-year-old, suffers from depression, he's an alcoholic. He's also been defrauding the benefit system for the last 11 years, claiming more than £200,000. He's been sentenced to 18 months in prison. Is it a bit harsh? Or is it fair? Barry's in Houghton Regis. Morning, Barry. Hello, Ian. Barry, what do you reckon? Well, um, um, my thoughts on I just real phoned up about when this chap started this escapade. He was only sixty-one. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, see what I mean? So yes. When when he planned it, he was a sixty-one-year-old. Would we be jumping up and down so much if we were sentencing a sixty-one-year-old for this? It makes a good point, but Barry, do you really think sending him to prison is it is his age irrelevant in this? I think his age is irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to do, if you're going to defraud the, the taxpayer of this sort of money, you've got to be prepared to to meet to pay the penalty, haven't you? Mm. That's all. I, I know what you mean. I, I, d- d- I, he's not going to be able to pay the money back. No, no, no. And it's going to cost us more money to have him locked up in prison. Is there not an argument for making him? do something, community service, to repay society with his labour as opposed to his liberty? Well, probably it would be an idea, but all I was, all, my main concern, the point I was focusing on, was the fact that you shouldn't consider him as a 72-year-old, you should consider him as a chap that was 61 when he started the thing, and finally he's got caught. He isn't sort of um, getting off... If, if he'd have thought of the sentence he might get when he was 61, he probably wouldn't have done it. Barry, thank you very much indeed. Ken's in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. Ken, what do you reckon? I reckon he's in the best place. Go on, tell me why. Three meals a day. What? They reckon he's better than hospital food. Yeah. Now, is heating he don't have to pay for? If he wants anything, f- uh, if anything happens to him, he can go straight to hospital, like Mr Biggs found. He won't have to wait months to get in the hospital, will he? <laughs> Have you ever spent time in prison, Ken? No, but I should imagine it's not a very nice place to go to, but you get well looked after in there. You've been curious about it. Well, I have been, but... I would love to spend two nights in prison. Oh, yeah, I I would like to do that. Knowing that I was going to get let out, two nights in prison, to to experience it and see exactly what it's like. Yeah, but... The point is, Ian, they've got different types of prison, haven't they? They've got open prisons, they've got where they can walk out when they like. I want, I want the scrubs. Oh, the scrubs? I want the scrubs. No, no. Hey, if he's got a house, yeah. he could let it out while he's in there. Well, his house is his son's, that's the thing, you see. Oh, well. But if he's not using it, yeah. he could always let it out, can not he? 18 months, what was it, about 500 quid a week? 500 quid a month, that's... That'll do, wouldn't it? Nice little learner, isn't it? Yeah, nice little Ken, thank you very much indeed. I'd love, to, I'd love to spend two nights in prison to see what it's all about. Is it really? It can't be like a holiday camp. Where's the beach? Where's the arcades? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Um, Helen uh, Milton Keynes has texted. <clears throat> excuse me. 
Age is immaterial. This was a sophisticated, long-running fraud. If he'd sought help for his depression and alcohol problems, with as much energy as he devoted to the theft of money, he would not be in prison now. Glenn's in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Glenn. Morning, Ian. Glenn, what do you reckon? Well, I think he should do some time, but, but what I'm frustrated about is that... And, and I don't wish to, to, to bring up the past, but Stuart Hall only got 18 months for what he did initially. And the, and argument, he, the argument was his age, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But he, he did some far worse than, than steal money, I, in my view, anyway. I, it was still a crime. But it, it just, the, the, the justice system doesn't make sense. It's, 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 I, I always say this. I, I always think it's a, it's a dangerous game to play the comparison game where you compare one sentence for one crime to another sentence for another crime. But I, I, I do remember that in the Stuart Hall's case, he was the, the, part of the reason he was given such, what, what was perceived as a lenient sentence was the fact he was an old man. Now, I think he was 10 years older, about 82, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, in, in that case, the age was taken into consideration, wasn't it? Yeah. But still, you know, this guy should have had 12 months maybe and uh, a little bit of uh, grafting when he come out, but not 18 months. If you, if you look at crimes that have happened in the past and what people get... Uh, Glenn, there's a, ti- there's a tiny part of you, there's a tiny part of you, kind of respect Mr Burns for getting one over on on the system. No, no, not at all. Not at all. He got caught, uh, like your previous caller uh, said, it, it was planned, he used uh, people who, who, were, who were dead, which is identity theft, and he got caught. Um, but... It's the sentencing that that's that's the frustrating thing. You know, you can you, you can get you can get caught with a gun or shoot somebody and, and get eighteen months for that. Glenn, thank you very much indeed. Simon's in Luton. Morning, Simon. Morning, Ian. Simon, eighteen months. Is it too too much or is it is it just desserts? Oh, it serves no purpose to put the guy in prison at his age, does it really? Like, like people have said this morning, you're going to pay more to keep him in prison. It's, 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 it's senseless to send him to prison. And what makes me laugh, what really made me laugh this morning, is when you said the judge said that nobody can be seen to be fleecing the public purse. we better call the police quickly, because they've got 600 people down in Westminster that need arresting straight away. But they're, they're not doing anything illegal. The MPs aren't doing anything illegal. Mr Burns was. He was committing fraud on a huge scale. Well, I think quite a few MPs have actually been caught doing exactly that. There's a, there's a, there's a handful, and, a, and they've gone to prison, Ooh, haven't I they? Think, I, think it, I think it's more than a handful. Well, some go to prison. Um, others, like some of our local MPs, use the Blackadder defence, don't they? Well, well, no, hang on a second. Everybody who has been found guilty of breaking the law has gone to prison in that case. Well, like, as I just said, some of some of our uh, local former MPs. Oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, they use the Blackadder defence, put their pants on their head, and went wibble. Yeah, yeah, um, well. to, to, yeah to escape to escape punishment. Okay, well, yeah, well, I know, I know you're talking about, of course, but but um, it, 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 let's just stick to this if we can. Eighteen months, seventy-two years old. Is the age irrelevant? Do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Peter's in Warmer Green. Peter. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. I believe that uh, he should serve a sentence, and I, I, I do believe justice should be the same for everybody, though. But anyway, having said that, the, uh, the, 
£50 a week must mean that he's got a considerable other income anyway. So well, I, I, don't think he, I don't think he has. He's, I mean, 50 quid a week isn't a lot. Uh, 50 quid a week, is uh, if he's a pension, that's a lot of money. So he's got other so income. Pardon? So it's £210,000 that yes, he's stolen. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That, uh, I'm saying the judgment says he's got to pay a bag of £50 a week. Now, his funds that he's got must be sufficient to do that because the court won't issue that sort of uh, dictat, really. And uh, he's there. He's should would, would be dead if all that money had gone on booze anyway. Because that's well. a lot of money to spend well, it's, on booze. Well, it's not all gone on booze. I mean, the, some of it has gone for housing benefits. Some of it is council tax payments. Um, it, so it, it's not all on booze, but a significant portion of it. Peter, how, how old are you? You in your 70s? I'm late 70s, okay. yeah. Well, later and late 70s. No, OK. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's leave it there. But do you reckon you could survive if you went to prison? Oh, certainly. Really? Oh, certainly. You, look, you always find that people who come from a background where... They had to cope with everything. Yeah. They cope much better than the people come from, say, you know, you did you watch a ce- celebrity get me out of, out of here? I'm aware of its work, yes. Well, well, when you had the, the, the chat from the Chelsea show, <laughs> on, he didn't cope as well no. as the chat from the hard background, really. Yes. And but, that's what happened in the army as well. Yeah. In national service, you found the ones from the hard backgrounds cope much better than the ones from the soft backgrounds. So would you say in the army they got you hard then? Oh, absolutely. If they didn't grow up... If they didn't stop weeping in the army very quickly, uh, the uh, it would show. I, I'm really surprised, Peter, that you're talking about some bloke from, from Chelsea on, uh, and I'm a celebrity. I'm very surprised you've thrown that into the mix. Well, I've thrown it into the mix because... Everybody should be treated the same, uh, yep. same, and people from a harder background cope much better than people from a softer background. Peter, always nice to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, oh, uh, uh, Peter, just just oh no, my, my mouse doesn't work. So we won't. Paul's in Luton. Morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. Paul, what do you reckon? Uh, well, I think what you've got to remember is he's got eighteen months. He's going to go to a holding prison first. He's going to be categorised. He'll become a decap prisoner. He'll go off eventually to an open prison. He's only going to do half of his 18 months anyway, and as a decap prisoner, he'll be eligible for tagging. So he might only actually do five months actually in prison. It's still a significant amount of time, isn't it? Is it really going to... We're not going to get anything back from it, are we? Surely there are better ways he could be punished. Oh, I totally agree, because once he finally gets to the open prison... He'll literally be free because of his age. They won't put him on any sort of work plan within the prison. He'll get the option of doing education, or because of his age, he'll just be sat in his cell watching TV. Mm. So, you know, there is a better option. I mean, but then, you know, regarding his age, he can't exactly go litter picking down the M1, can he? Uh, Possibly not, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. DT from LB Mm. says if he serves half his time, it's a sentence of one week per per £5,000. This is no deterrent to cheating the system. It is an advertisement for easy money. Is there a bit of you... <clears throat> be honest. Be honest. Is there a bit of you that thinks... Good on him for cheating the system. We'd all do it if we could. Is there a tiny bit of you? I'm sure... I'm not, cond- I'm not saying that's necessarily what I think. I'm not condoning it at all. Of course not. But I'm sure there'll be people listening to this going, well, good on him. He had a good go. 
And also, do you think that the, the, the benefit claimants get a particularly hard time? I've signed on him in the past and it got me through some very tough times. I've not seen this programme that everyone's going on about, and I will probably will never watch it, this benefit street. Not seen it in the slightest. What is it? It's a street where everyone's on benefits, is it? And, and they are all, in inverted commas, scum? Is it? I don't know. If you've seen it, give me a call. Let me know what it's about. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the big fat gypsy wedding of 2014, isn't it, really? It's, it's um, pointing and laughing at people who have uh, less than us. I think. I think. Not totally sure. 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number. Uh, and a quick one from Facebook. Dave says, prison is not for him. When paedophiles only get a slap on the wrist. Sounds like this guy needs help not locking up. Quarter to nine. Let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the B526, just north of Stoke Goldington, a car is overturned and the road is partially blocked. High Wycombe, the A404 southbound, looking very slow between the Handy Cross roundabout and Bisham roundabout. Wendover still slow on the speed sensors on the A413, just past the station heading south. And on public transport, London Overground have service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 8.45, Friday the 10th of January. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The past year saw nine people stopped from working with children in Luton following allegations of abuse. A pensioner from Aylesbury has been jailed for 18 months for falsely claiming benefit of £200,000. In sport, the Watford lone midfielder Alexander Merkel could make his debut tomorrow. His mum, Angela, is very, very excited about it. Coming up the last 15 minutes of the show, more of your phone calls. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Watch out for a little bit of ice on the roads and the pavements perhaps this morning. A rather frosty start. Certainly noticeably chilly, but temperatures will rise. We'll see lots of sunshine around. Most places will stay dry for the rest of the day with perhaps one or two sharp showers into the afternoon. Or the risk of, anyway, but many places dry with some spells of sunshine. Top temperatures of 7 or 8 degrees Celsius, 46 in Fahrenheit. Now for this evening, we'll see some outbreaks of light patchy rain spreading from the west. That's a cold front coming through. Temperatures down to 5 or 6 degrees Celsius overnight. The rain will continue just on and off, dribs and drabs really, into tomorrow morning. So a bit of a disappointing start to Saturday early on. But the cloud will eventually clear and we'll see lots of sunshine around a very crisp winter's day. Just feeling a bit cooler than it has done recently. A lovely day to get out and about, just wrap up nice and warmly. And uh, Saturday night into Sunday morning, quite a hard frost developing with possibly some fog patches. Sunday though, looking dry, perhaps a bit more in the way of cloud and then eventually we'll see some more outbreaks of rain on Sunday night into Monday morning. That's the forecast, Ian. So thank you very much, Elizabeth. Catherine's on her hands and knees in the studios. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm making sure your mouse is in. It's put it's out. No, that's the wrong computer, love. Oh. For goodness sake, it won't work. What? Why can I be warm? Oh, for goodness sakes. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, 
You've missed things like this. The next hour, I'll be taking you on the journey of one Bedfordshire Charities Challenge to form a choir in only eight weeks. But there is a way you can hear it all again. It's going to be quite difficult and we're not really going to know until we see, I guess. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. Amy, you did it. You sang your solo and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. <laughs> Singing for chums. BBC.co.uk slash three counties. Basically, what happened there was the uh, mouse that operates the computer that plays out all the bits of audio and things has, has broken. It's broken. And I've sent an e- I have kindly sent an email to all of my fellow presenters and staff members and technicians saying, the mouse is broken. Um, apologies. I don't even need to apologise because it wasn't me that did it. It's been like that the whole morning. So me apologising is just a cherry on a very delicious email cake. Well, Catherine Boyle replied almost immediately with the word... Div. Now, that's offensive. She then barged in whilst Elizabeth was doing the weather, sunk to her knees, and told me to waggle it. I think you'll find that standard procedure. Have you fixed it? I pulled it out and put it in again. No. It hasn't worked. I told you it wouldn't work. Okay, so you're not a div in that scenario, but I think there isn't a court in the land that could prove that you weren't a div generally. Thank you. You're welcome. I think. Ali's in Sandy. Morning, Ali. Good morning, Ian. Ian Burns, 72. He's an alcoholic. He's a depressive. He's got 18 months in prison for fraudulently claiming £200,000. What do you reckon? I reckon uh, you shouldn't have done that, what you've done. He's very naughty. uh, uh, Sending him to the prison is not uh, helping. uh, He's going to cost the taxpayer even more. There are people who are saying, yeah, OK, it's going to cost money, but that's the prison does cost money. Um, so what? Yeah, but uh, you have to look at the, uh, the crimes they do. If uh, frauding them, it's, uh, it's only a matter of money, you know. So by sending somebody to prison and they're costing more money, that doesn't help. It's not a crime that he murdered somebody or he, you know, done some other thing, which is a serious crime. He's stolen he's your mo- Ali, money. Ali, he's put, his, he's put his hand in your back pocket and he's stolen money out of your wallet. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that by sending him to prison, he's not going to get my money back. So what do you think should happen then? We just let him off? They should make, they should make him do some community work. Uh, where, where, they, where he can pay that money and get some, uh, pay the money back. Ali, thank you very much indeed. I've never seen anybody doing community service. Well, you know when they say community service, what do they do? It's, it's cleaning litter from the side of the roads and things, is it? But I've never seen... What do they wear? Like why, uh, orange jumpsuits or something? I've never seen any... Oh, I have. Where? They wear fluorescent jackets and it'll say... Those are just workmen. No. Sometimes, you, not... it says, sometimes it says community service on the back. No. Yes, I've seen it. Really? I, I have never seen that. They're not chained together these days. There's no pics and things like that. What, so what, what have you seen them doing? Um, doing stuff on verges with bin bags. Well, that's, oh, what's, yeah, got some, that's what some of them imprisoned before. Yeah, I've seen them. All I've seen Early is Boy morning. George doing it and Justin Lee Collins. But that's that, And that was in the newspapers. They do it more obviously in America, don't they? Yeah. You need to come to Luton. I, I, would, well, I am in Luton. You need to spend but, more know. time looking at verges. It's true. It's an odd one. I... I uh, so, so what do they do? Just pick up rubbish? Yeah. With the little picker claw thing. So the, oh. Which I've always wanted. Y- I can get you one. You can get them easily. Off eBay or whatever. Yeah. All right, then. you got to pay for it, though. Oh. 
Uh, okay. Well, so they, they do that. Do they not go around to old ladies' houses and do, do their gardening and stuff? I think sometimes they do. But obviously you've got to be careful that you send to do that kind of thing. I don't know. If, if I were an old lady, I don't know if I'd want a criminal um, to come around and do my gardening. And then what's that thing where they get out and then try and sell dusters? I would love to see you dressed as an old lady. I just had an image. OK, well, I'll, I'll bring some photos in. Thank you. Um, the, the dusters, those are people pretending to be deaf and dumb, aren't they? No. Sometimes they say that they're trying to get back into... Oh, no, no, no. I never buy on the Never, anyway. Never buy the... The thing, the thing they do, the thing I've seen them do, is where they knock on the door and they've got a, a tray full of dusters and then they hold up a card that says, I'm deaf and dumb. Um, all right, are you? Are you? I well, read my lips. Jog on, fella. I've never seen that. Have you not seen that? People do that at tables in Greece with lighters. Well, Justin. Good morning, boss. Have you ever seen people doing community service? Uh, yes, I have, actually. I'm, I've missed out on this. Um, who did I see once? I think it was Vinnie Jones, actually, are many, you, no, many just, years ago. Just for legal reasons, mm. Justin, are you sure it was Vinnie Jones? I think it was. I think it was, years ago. OK. Famous people can do community service as well. Boy, you know? George and Justin Lee Collins. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what, what, what have you got for us? Oh, food fear. Food, yeah, food. we're talking about this this morning. Page I'm three so of hungry. The Express. Yeah, no, no one has called in, by the way, to say they put um, salt on their... Uh, toast. You're lying. No, no one has. You're lying. D- Tim, uh, who's filling in for JVS, says that he does put posh salt on his garlic bread. Mm-hmm. But I don't really take anything. But I take everything he says <laughs> with a pinch of salt. Right. <laughs> Uh, Scott has tweeted, In my entire life, I've never heard of anyone putting salt on uh, bread. Oh. Justin Dealey is uh, in uh, serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so basically, people think you're a Muppet. No, they don't. No, they don't. Watch the phone lines go right now. Have you ever put salt on your toast? If you have, 08459 555. If you've got some quality and some class, you'll phone him right now. So we have been talking about the story on page three, Ian. Uh, millions too scared to eat fish. Yes. Uh, the most feared foods, number one, oysters, number two, fish with eyes, number three is offal. So this morning I have been asking people about the foods that they fear, and here's what happened. Rebecca, tell us about your food fear. It's mushrooms. Um, I know it sounds really silly, but the underneath where it's all sort of wrinkly and, I don't know, it just, it, I find it really weird, it creeps me out of it. Where does this fear come from? It's got to come from somewhere. What's made you like this? I don't know. I don't remember like having a mushroom thrown at me or anything and freaking me out. I just, I've never liked them. Oh, just seafood. Just seafood. I just don't really like, oh, um, especially octopus. I could not manage to eat an octopus to save my life. I don't have think. you ever tried though? I have, and I just, oh, it's like rubber. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. So if somebody put an octopus on a plate in front of you, yeah. you would look at that, and, and would it intimidate you? Well, I don't know about intimidate me, but I certainly wouldn't want to eat it. No, don't. What about not. oysters? Oh, no. No, that's something else I couldn't do either. <laughs> that's don't. the number one most feared food. Is it? Yeah, it probably is, actually, because I just don't think I could put that in my mouth. Sorry, but I couldn't. They, they're just the look of them puts me off. Rianne, the foods that you fear, what do you fear the most? Fish. I just don't like it and I'm allergic to it, so my face kind of, like, goes red and goes, like, really puffy and it just, like, kind of swells up. So clearly, fish you can't eat anyway. What about the foods that you can eat that you don't want to because you fear them, you hate them? Porridge. Porridge? Yeah. It's a lovely breakfast. Why porridge? I don't like it. When you see people eating it, it gives you the creeps? Yeah. It just looks like babysick. One way of putting it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's all right. Daryl, at last, I found somebody. You are with me. Brussels sprouts, you have a fear of them. Where has this fear come from? It's come from home, really. Sitting at the table, uh, being forced to eat them. 
eat one before you can get down. Don't, don't look very nice. So you had to eat one Brussels sprout before you were allowed to leave the table? Yeah, it's not very nice. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, especially being forced to do it as well. I get what the woman says about the underside of mushrooms. They're just weird. Stay there, <laughs> Justin. Uh, John's in Potter's Bar. John, what do you want to say? Uh, the only time I put salt on toast is with, with gorgeous beef dripping. So that's not okay. So that's not technically salt on toast, no, though, is no, it? No, but it, it, it just gives it the taste. I do miss a bit of beef dripping, oh, actually. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I used to like a bit of dripping. But get a bit of grass-fed beef. You can't beat it. John, thank you very much indeed. But it doesn't technically back you up, Justin. I'm taking that one. No, one you, nil, well, you can't. You. No, he's put salt. He's put salt on gravy. No, no, Dan- no, no, that'll do. Daniel. Yes. Go on. Yes, I'm with Justin. Nice bit of buttered toast and a sprinkling of salt on. You can't Ooh, beat it. Good lad, good lad. And it must, must be a Hemel Hempstead thing, Justin. I think it must be, yeah, it, must yes. be it must be a really common, <laughs> horrible thing. It's disgusting. No, it's going to kill no. you. Uh, try it, Ian. Just try it and you'll never go back. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to. D- Daniel, thank you very much. Very weird, Justin. I've always thought you were suspicious and now I know mm. why. Well, yes, exactly. But, um, you know, th- that's just uh, chipping away at the surface, having salt on toast. But uh, let's not go into the other things. Yeah? Hey, listen, uh, the show... You've got the show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock on BBC yep. Three Counties Radio. What's happening? Who's your guest? Uh, tomorrow, three hours of great songs and great memories. Colin Blunstone from The Zombies. Oh, he was yes. On, yeah, Nick Hoffer's show yesterday. Tomorrow, he'll be picking his favourite musical memories. One track in particular, The Time of the Season by The Zombies. Such a fantastic song. He'll be telling us about that. Uh, plus, we have the UK and American charts from this weekend in 1962. And the American charts from the day that Elvis died. Because this week, of course, he would have been 17. <laughs> Remember how he died, Justin. He, yes. You can't call, call him a king for doing uh, that. Uh, well, Justin, listen, it's been a cracking week. You've done a really good uh, uh, show. Did so. Uh, and uh, some really good stuff this week. So I thought it'd be nice if maybe you sang us out. Uh, yeah, what are you after? Whatever you found. A bit of Elvis. A uh, bit of Elvis. Which one? Always on my mind. How's about that? Uh, always on my mind. Or maybe one you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know the main bits always on my mind. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. There you go. It sounds like he was just sort of winding down. The batteries were running out in his in his um, head. Mm, like he gave up on life. <laughs> I know. <Just> <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Justin will be in for his show tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Otherwise, it'll just be three hours of silence, which might be a bit better. Oh, not no, really. It's on. a great show. You harsh. I listen a lot and I love it. When was the last time you listened? The last time it was on. That was last week? Yep. I listened then. Well, who was his guest then? Um, I can't remember, but he... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you both. Thank you, Justin. Excellent work this week. Right, it's coming up to 8.59. Let's get the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The B526 is partially blocked by an overturned car just north of Stoke Goldington. Speed sensors showing the A5 is slow in both directions around Dunstable. And in Watford, Stevenson Way is busy at the M1 Junction 5. On public transport, London Overground has service suspended between Euston and Watford Junction because of an earlier faulty train. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. That's your lot for today. Don't forget there will be a new podcast out a little bit later on today. It comes out about midday, one o'clock. Might even be earlier today. Just simply go to the BBC 3CR uh, website, click on the podcast links, or 
type in Ian Lee BBC on iTunes and it will pop up. You can subscribe to it. It's a corker this week. Laughter and tears. Right, Tim's up next. I'm back on Monday at six. Until then, from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, thank you, Ian. Good morning to you. It's the JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Tim Wheeler, standing in for Jonathan Vernon.